Hey, welcome everyone. This is Dan with the Spiritual Underground Podcast coming to you from indoors again, not out in the wood shop. Uh, I really do love to have my face-to-face guests in and be able to sit out in the wood shop and record these podcasts out there. But the world is much bigger than my backyard and uh, we can reach out and talk to people from uh, all over the world now and, and bring these stories in. Uh, as I always say, you know, everyone's story has value. And uh, and I do believe that there, everybody's story has uh, somebody's out there waiting to hear it. Uh, that, can, that, you know, they'll hear it and they'll hear something they relate to and it will inspire them to uh, maybe make a change in their lives that they've been uh, stalling on making. 12-Step Spiritual Recovery is a book by James Christopher Cohn. It is available at Amazon. It is the 12 steps for anyone and everyone. Uh, you do not have to fit into the 12-step, typical 12-step fellowships in order to use the 12 steps. Um, my guest that came out on Sunday, which was the day, the day of the recording, Sunday, March 28th, did not struggle with substance abuse, but had her own struggles. And and we watched her uh, life turn around as a result of uh, taking some action. This action was through the 12 steps. So we have Zoom meetings and uh, and a website, 12stepspiritualrecovery.com. And any more information, feel free to reach out to me and I'll help point you in that direction. So you're going to get... Uh, feeling like my broken record talking about how wonderful I am, how, how wonderful it's been being a part of clubhouse. Uh, and my guest today comes from, uh, that, that relationship too. I threw out that call for people and, and looking to see if people come and, uh, share their stories. And, uh, yo came and, uh, t- shot me a message and, uh, and, and I just love it. I tickled every time somebody actually steps up. Cause I do have this fear of rejection thing that like, I'm going to throw that out there and nobody's going to say anything. So, uh, thank you. And a few others for, uh, for, uh, jumping in and doing that. How's it going today? And, uh, where are you, where are you at near? I'm in Texas, Cedarville, Texas, Texas, suburb Dallas. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. I've been to Dallas. Yeah. Uh, it's been a while. My uh, ex-wife's family, some of them were from Dallas and Fort Worth area. So mm-hmm. we would go down there once in a while. Uh, what's your sobriety date? March 11, 2019. 2019. That is Going pretty cool. Going on two really. years and yeah. two weeks. It's probably yeah. been a great couple of years. I imagine if you're like the typical stories, uh, there's some out there that get sober and don't like it, but... Uh, I can see a big smile on your face because something's <laughs> going on that's good. They've been interesting to say the least. They've been great. They've been good. The first one's a little rough, but yeah. after that, it just like, you know, putting the car on cruise control. Yeah, just it gets easier. Sliding in. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, but I'll tell you, it is. It's really tough in the beginning. And anybody that says different uh, didn't have the problem I had because uh, breaking free was a, a real challenge and it took. You know, it really took me a couple few years before I felt like I wasn't being haunted by it. Mm, how long have uh, you been sober, then? Since January 1, 2015. So in January, okay, I celebrated six years. Six years. Yeah, see. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it wasn't that it was like bearing down on me, but it still had an allure that was tricking me. You know, it mm-hmm. would tap me on the shoulder and tell me silly things like, man, you could probably get away with one. Yep. You know? I get and, that. It's funny. I just had that not even two days ago. Yeah. And I just wonder if it ever goes away. I'm guessing it got, either it doesn't go away or it just gets easier to recognize and toss it to the side. I think both. Uh, yeah. I don't think it'll ever completely go away for me. I don't mm-hmm. know that. 
one of the things is is more distance comes but are is in between each one of those episodes so yeah. it's not happening as near as often as it used to and it's good to know uh i tell you whenever uh you know the the times i think i would drink would be when something that's going on in my life that is uh not in my favor i don't want to call it good or bad but i judge it as not being in my favor uh those would be the times that i think i would have wanted to drink and that's not really the case uh, i find myself uh uh, being more uh, tempted when I'm bored or when I'm happy than when yes. I'm when yeah. I'm sad. Yeah, like I want to celebrate something. I want to be great to have a crown and cook with a lime wedge. Like just the instant. Oh, these commercials have been getting me lately. Oh, these have they? Doggone yeah. commercials. They've been they make it so attractive, you know. And 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 like oh, like it's okay because it's it's in the way where you're playing games, you're hanging out with people, and it's fun. They don't show the reality behind the, if you finish that whole bottle. So the commercial, it's some whiskey commercial that's out here that's on the TV lately. I'm like, God, that looks so beautiful to sit there across the table with somebody and clink the little glass. And I remember the neat and everything. So for a second there, I go and I'm like, I just, yeah. But then it's like, no, I can't, I'm not, the, I can't be that person. Yeah, that's I can't not be that the, person. It's yeah, just not, it's not who I am. I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. They don't show me uh, huddled up in my bedroom when I haven't had a shower in a week and I'm afraid to leave the house. And the only reason I do is to go get more. That's not on the That's Exactly. It's not on the commercials. <laughs> yeah. They don't show you that you, you know, you can't make it to the house and pee. So you pee in your car, you know, yeah. or you go inside a road and squat somewhere. They don't show that shit in the commercials. The commercials right. are all beautiful and everybody's having fun. And it's just, it gets kind of irritating now that I'm talking about it out loud because yep. they make it so attractive and they don't. And people, are attracted to the attraction. Yeah. And some are. people can do that. Um, people like you and me, we just, it's not, we're not wired that way. Yeah. And I question, uh, I know there are some people who can do that, but like it's a roulette wheel, you know, and, 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 and at one point in my life, I told you, I could, I would have told you I was successfully doing that. You know, things were good. I wasn't having consequences. I was having a great time. But, you know, and, 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 it, and it, the truth was, it was really fun for a certain amount of time. And then it was not fun anymore. That's right. And when I, yeah. when that time came, I couldn't stop doing it. Yes, exactly. The fun was, or the fun for me was at the very beginning of it all. And as like for that night, and then as I get further and further into the night, then it just stopped. Like first it was fun having a good time. So then it was like, oh, woe is me. Oh, I'm pissed off. Oh, you're getting on my nerves. Oh, I hate you. Oh, wonder what. So it just started getting deeper in that that negative, and it just wasn't fun. But the next day, my ass was doing it again. Like I just couldn't. I couldn't stop. Yeah. That 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 last night, I just I just I could not stop, and I wanted to. I wanted to, and I couldn't. And that's when I knew. For me, that's when I knew. I had a problem. Problem. <laughs> Yeah. Where were you? Where'd you grow up? Where, where, tell me a little about I your early am life. I'm from Waco, Texas, and that is about an hour and a half away from Dallas. People who know about Waco, they usually related to the David Koresh story. <laughs> yep. And they say things like, we ain't coming out or what a cookout. And I'm like, no, that was Mount Carmel, Texas. That's like something happening in New York City. And they picked the, or something happened in a suburb close to New York City, but they put NYC to advertise it. So Waco was the largest city, but it's not where it occurred. So no, they know we ain't coming out and what a cookout, but that's, I'm from that city next to where David Krish, um did his thing at. But yeah, born and raised, um, and I'm a country girl. Um, I'm one of three girls. I'm in the middle. I got a tattoo. It says sisters, two of three. Oh. I'm in the center of the three beautiful queens. Um, 
let me see. Uh, like I said, country. I grew up like uh, in Bell Mead, and we actually literally had cows walk down the street, you know, and horses next door. And we, I had to slop the pigs and feed the chickens. And I've seen my grandfather skin the rabbits. You know, I'm I'm country. And I don't know yeah. this real country. That's black country. That's the country I know is country. That sounds plenty country to me. Does sound country. <laughs> Yeah, when livestock are a normal part of your life, I think uh, right there, that one qualifier, you know, without the rabbit skinning and uh, yeah. and some of the other stuff, if if livestock is a normal course of your day, uh, you're a country in then my I, world. Then I am country. I, I grew up in the city, but I've spent a lot of times outdoors in the country, not necessarily like what you're talking about, but more of uh, exploring in the country. We always had a camp or someplace and run around in the woods, and I grew up hunting and fishing and and doing that kind of thing, but I lived in the city. Oh yeah, I, we visited the city, I guess. Because yeah. my grandmother lived in the, well, no, I lived in the city, but I spent so much time at my grandparents' house and yeah. they were in the country. So it's, I wow. feel like I was raised in the country more than the city of Waco. Yeah. Matter of fact, I didn't even get my driver's license until after I got married. Wow. So I don't even know all the streets in Waco. People, my sister always makes fun of me because I get lost in Waco. She's like, you're from here. I'm like, yeah, but I didn't drive here. <laughs> I didn't drive here. I didn't get my license. I was 18. I was already married with a kid. So I didn't understand. I don't know my way around my hometown because I didn't drive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> was your upbringing, what would you describe it as good, medium, not so good? Um, I think it was, I think it was good. I didn't have a lot of um, inf- affection. There wasn't a lot of touching and hugging in my family. Hmm. And I've noticed that, you know, when you get to, well, for me, I've gotten through the therapy things and the wounded child and my wounded child didn't get that kind of attention it yeah. wasn't the oh i love you you're amazing come hug me give me some kisses good night it was more like you're a great student you're so smart <clears throat> oh my god you're an achiever so my overachiever status came from always being praised for my good deeds things that i did good yeah but right. no but my mom my dad my mom and my actually my biological father and my mom um divorced when i was eight and my sister i think was 12 and the other one was four so my baby sister doesn't even acknowledge him really. He passed away um, early 2000s. But my stepdad um, came in around a year later and married my mom. So he was my daddy, daddy. But even then, I've always wanted to be a daddy's girl. Yeah. But it didn't work out that way. You know, I used to watch a lot of television, you know, country folks in TV was entertainment. So I based my life or my future on TV. So I yeah. would see the girls connect to their dads. You know, they take them out. They're their first boyfriends and they buy them rings. And, t- and I didn't get that. You know, I got the determined one and, oh, you're so this and, you know, <clears throat> you know. So but I, that's what I wanted. I wanted to get that. I just want to be like a little girl. I just want to be under my daddy. But yeah, nope. And he passed away about three years ago. Mm-hmm. My mom and him were married for 35 years. So I can relate to the, and I, and, but I, the thing is, is I'm not sure it's true, but I feel mm-hmm. like I wasn't that. I feel like I missed out on that physical part of love. You know I mean? I was told I was loved all the time. Uh, and I knew I was, but like now that I've, like you said, done some work on yourself and this kind of thing, uh, I feel like there wasn't like a showing me you love, you love me kind of thing. You know, right. I was yeah. told and it yeah. was shown in the way that I was taken care of and I was nurtured and the things that I needed, my needs were met. I was fed. I was, you know, all that kind of stuff, but that physical, yeah. Sitting in your mom's lap and dad's lap and that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't have a memory of that. I know there's some pictures of it that show me to be wrong in some of that. So it's interesting about what my perception is and, and my inability to really know what the reality was for sure. 
But my 83 year old father lives with me. He's down in the basement right now, oh, knocking wow. something, doing, doing something. <laughs> he's always got a project going on. He's down there knocking around on something. I don't know what it is. You said 83? 83. Oh, beautiful. My 70, she'll be 76 this year. Mother, she's come and stayed with me last summer for two weeks. And she and I are like um, double Scorpio. Like I'm November the 12th and she's November the 14th. Ooh. So our times together, they can't be that long. <laughs> November 12th. So yes, you sir. Said? Yeah, that's dad's that's my birthday. Per- that's dad's birthday too. Oh my God. I love connections but, like that. Yeah, but in, uh, in 1937 though. <laughs> oh, and 37 is my favorite number. Well, coincidence. This. I don't know. I think yeah, not. I believe yeah. in divine. I believe in divine connections. I, I love do too. that. I do too fully. Yeah. So uh, how'd you, how, when did you start messing around with substance or just tell me your story? What, what happened yeah. to you? Um, the first time I can remember ever tasting alcohol, because my drink of choice was alcohol, was when I was 16. My um, stepfather and mom were on a road trip to visit his family in Detroit, Michigan. Mm. And we went there and there were cousins around my age, you know, the adults did their thing. So when all the adults finished their partying, you know, for the night, they all went to sleep. And the cousins and I, as far as my recollection can go back, we snuck downstairs into the basement. And there was a bar. I know now that it was a bar. And all those little mini bottles, you know, the kind you get in the hotel rooms. There was a yeah. lot of little mini bottles. And I I I remember drinking them. I don't remember, I don't remember how many I drank, but I drank enough that I didn't feel good that night. And I think I crawled up the stairs and kind of cuddled up on the floor in a pallet. Remember, country people pallets. If everybody had a bed, you put a blanket, some sheets, and a pillow on the floor. <laughs> so I crawled into my pallet. And, um, and I thought I was going to throw up and I didn't. And I maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe that could have been a sign then. I had the, the gene, so to speak. Some people believe it's genetic because I didn't throw up. I felt fine the next day and I didn't drink again until when I was married at night. I got married at 18, had my first baby at 19. And my husband kind of wanted to have, not a drinking buddy, because he's never been a drinker, but, you know, watching the game, he wanted to have a beer and he's like, why don't you get a cooler? So I'm like, okay. So I, drink wine coolers for the longest five percent i go back now and think about how hilarious it was like i used to get tipsy off of a five percent wine cooler like one of them yeah <laughs> it's like what is this and then and then uh, fast forward i've always had the insatiable desire to be like a, a shop person you know like i said television i used to i was attracted to tv and movies and the way that they made it all attractive like oh my god you know take shots that's where the fun is and you know you drink and you know you learn this the, um, the uh, lingo and so i started drinking fufui drinks you know the daiquiris the hurricanes the emerald sours and after a while that was just like you know I don't know when I flipped the switch of it wasn't about the social, that it really became about the buzz. Somewhere along that journey, it became about the feeling that I would get and, and, and the release that it would give me when I drank. So I stopped the foo-foo's and started for the stronger stuff, like the long out of nice teas. And I used to have the patent phrase, make sure it looks more like um, tea than long. Like, don't put all the, the white in there. Make sure it's not brown. I don't want to look like regular tea. And I used to be like, I'm not a lightweight. I know I'm little. Don't worry about my size. I can handle it. And so it's just funny with all these things that I used to do to um, get that buzz. Hold on, my, my 
um, charges about to, about to, things about to hang up. <laughs> and so anyway, so I, um, yeah, I drank. At some point you started getting, you know, for a while it's about to drinking with people kind of thing. And I heard you say that, you know, and, but some flip, some switch got flipped where I started getting serious about it. It wasn't, yes. it was, uh, I needed to get there and get there fast. Yes. And I wish I can go back kind of like how we, we wish we can go back and pinpoint those pictures sitting in our mom's and dad's laps. Like, what was that moment like? Because obviously we had some kind of physical affection, but I don't know when that when that switch flipped, where it stopped being about just the hanging out. It started being about the way it made me feel. And at the beginning, it always made me feel really good. Um, really good, too good sometimes. Um, but I didn't even start getting sick until years in, where, like I used to throw up. I would throw up um, and you would think that would have stopped me. But I used to try to control it um, back in the days. Like, you know, you throw up thinking like, oh, well, I just won't have two shots next time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I won't have wine and vodka. Oh, I won't, you know, all the scenarios. You know how you can um, put in different numbers and sequences and get passwords? Yeah. The same thing you can do, put in different, if only this <laughs> with alcohol. Well, maybe if I don't have this much wine, but instead I have this much vodka. And if I only don't drink before I leave, you have all these scenarios. <laughs> And I played out every single one of them. <laughs> yeah, always trying to manage it where it'll work better it next is. time. You know, every time I would have a failing, I'm trying to play detective and figure out what happened that went wrong until I finally figured out it was the first one that went wrong, not exactly. the sixth one or the the shot. Shouldn't have had the shot. Shouldn't have done this drug with that alcohol. Isn't that something? I don't. Know, I wonder when. I just. I. I wish I can go back and like pinpoint the day. But I don't know when that day doesn't even matter. The day that matters yeah. is that I can't even day. put together the chronology. Sometimes yeah. I sit and try to go and try to put this down and like figure out, and, and it doesn't even fit because some things are not the I cannot figure out when this particular thing happened. I know it did, but I can't get it into chronology correctly. Yeah. So most of my guests will get a lot of my guests will get hung up on timelines. And I'm like, you know, it does, you don't don't think too long on that because it doesn't really matter because it probably doesn't work anyway. That there's a veil kind of that's still there where that past is coming clearer and clearer, but but there's still it's still hard to see back through some of it. It is, and the blackouts don't help. I mean, because I'm out. Like I could I couldn't tell you now. Like I said, that when did that that switch flip? But even without that, like when was the when did I switch from wine to liquor? I kind of remember that a little bit, but not like in the year span. But I remember saying, oh, from liquor to wine. Because I remember I used to buy a lot of the liquor. Like I got into everything, browns, whites. I used to pride myself on the fact that I could mix anything and still not get sick and just stupid shit, stupid. But anyway, I transitioned again, Matt trying to manage it. I like the way you said that. I continue to try to manage my drinking um, where I wouldn't get sick or I wouldn't you know, drink too much where I, you know, got in my, felt so uninhibited that I, you know, com, com, um, committed adultery, which I did 27 fucking times, Boy. 27, 27, <laughs> you know, you go back and I can't, that number I know, cause I can re- remember the situations and I remember trying to tell myself, oh, well, maybe it wasn't the alcohol, you know, let me try it this way instead. But they always had to come back to something to do with the, with the drinking either before, after, during, but anyway, so that last night for me, which was March 11, 2019, is um, it was a Thursday. Had it been a Thursday because I was prepping myself to watch one of my shows, which was either Scandal or How to Get Away with Murder. They both came on Thursday nights. And as always, I walked into my kitchen. I got my Behringer White Merlot because that was my drink of choice then. I had stopped all the brown and whites. I stopped the hard liquor about 
three years before I got sober because I figured that was it. Like, okay, well, wine, you know, again, attractive. Everybody, all the women drink wine now. They drink wine to celebrate. They drink wine when they're sad. They drink wine when they get with their girlfriends. You know, everybody's got a glass of wine. He filled up halfway. I could never fill them up halfway, ever. <laughs> Even going out, if I bought a glass of wine, I'm like, what is this? Why did you not fill it up? Like, why, <laughs> why are you I giving me this? glass of wine. Yeah. <laughs> not a, if I wanted a half a glass, I'd have ordered a half a glass. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Fill my stuff up. Remember the waiters looking at me like, this is our, you know, this is <laughs> what they're expected to do. I used to be the irritated, so I wouldn't even order. So then that led me to pre-gaming. Well, I see now I got a drink before I go out because obviously, you know, the bars aren't going to serve what I need. It's not strong enough or it's not enough in the glass. Oh, so many things. Yeah, I, I drink it to too fast and I'm conscious that I'm drinking faster than everybody else. So maybe I can slow down if I've pre-gamed, you know, and then by yes. that point I can drink at the pace everybody else is and I can make it through this dinner date until I can get to the backside of it where I can get back to drinking the way that exactly. I want to. Exactly. And just I can get back to the car or get back to the house. And, you know, you think that for me, I thought just stop going out, just stay home, stay home and drink. That way you're in control. You're here. You can always stop. You can go to bed early. But uh, as you stated so perfectly, it was the first one. And I did not know it. I did not know it. And that night I had that last one. I poured the glass in the kitchen. It was a 14.5% because I remember that too. I would go to the store like, what's the point of buying it if it's not going to be a high percentage? Why would I get a 5% bottle of wine? That's Kool-Aid, you know? All these things that now I know could be indications that there might be a problem. Because yeah. um, I forgot, I think somebody said it in one of the rooms, um, we don't have normal thinking. So a social drinker or a normal drinker doesn't have to plan out their drinking when they go to a party. Right. You don't have to say, they don't say, oh, I can only have two margaritas. And then I can only have one shot. Like if you're doing that, and this might be for somebody here in the audience, if you're doing that, you might want to stop and ask yourself why, because that's not normal. It's not normal to plan out what you're going to drink and how much you can drink. And so um, I had the 14.5% Behringer. I made the glass and I put it on the coffee table in the family room. And in between the commercials, I literally began to talk to the glass of wine like had a conversation the way I'm talking to you. And I told the wine, and I remember saying it with these exact words, I don't want you. Hmm. I don't want you. I'm and looking at, so I'm, so, I'm tired of you. Point to it and everything. I'm tired of what you're doing to me. I'm tired of the blackouts. I'm tired of lying to my husband. And the most, the biggest thing that hurt me the most is I was tired of how my then 25, now almost 27 year old daughter chose to start drinking with me. So I wouldn't drink too much. She became my buddy. You know, she became my partner. She became the one that preps the glasses for me. We would compete how many glasses we can have each. We drink on her break. I mean, she became that, that partner in her way, trying to rescue me, but ended up bringing her into my world, which was horrible as, as the time has gone by. But um, I was just so tired and I really, I, I couldn't, I, I was tired to the point that I, I, nothing, it wasn't going to bed early was working. It wasn't trying to pray. I prayed that night with looking at that glass. I cried that night. I, I did everything that I knew to not drink that glass of wine. And I still drank that glass of wine. I literally could not, not pick it up. And I, it, with every ounce of me, I was like, I don't want this. 
And I'm like, but what am I doing? I'm drinking. I just, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let me just hurry and get to the point. Let me just hurry and get to the buzz. Cause that's must, that must be what I really want. So I just, I chugged it. The rest of the bottle that I poured from the one I had in reserve. Cause you know, f- for most of us, there's always a reserve bottle. Yep. Got <laughs> to have a backup. The, lay- the layaway. I took the layaway bottle. I finished that one off. And then the, the, the breaking point was that I was so broken and so hurt that I didn't want to wake up. So yeah. I took that last bottle and I, I added about 25 anxiety meds because trying to manage it, I thought, but it's just my brain. My brain is broken. Let me go to the doctor and get some, some medication. Maybe I'm bipolar. Maybe I'm this. So I had some anxiety medication somebody prescribed for me because, of course, I lied on the questionnaire. How many drinks yeah. today do you have? I'm like, two a week, you know, three a week. Just lied to two or three an hour, <laughs> but yeah, two a week. Yep. So I got the medication. I took about all 25 of those pills because I really was hoping not to wake up. That's how tired I was because I, I couldn't stop. Was that and like Xanax or something? Xanax or Valium it was, or something um, like that? Seroquil. Seroquil. Golly, daggone. Yeah. Them suckers. Yeah. Are... yeah. I didn't want to wake up. I did not want to wake up. I just wanted to sleep and yep. and, and not make it, it to Friday. You know, you're talking about like our normal people kind of thing, you know, and, and normal people would go to the doctor and tell them the truth. You know, because right. I mean, like, I'm going to go to this. I'm actually going to take my energy. I'm going to schedule an appointment. I'm going to go see this professional person because I truly do think I'm going to get help. And I really am. There's a piece of me that's going to get help. And I walk in the door and I lie to them. Yeah. And I don't give them yeah. a chance to help me. They yeah. can't. <laughs> they can't because they can't help you. Yeah. You got to tell I them mean, the truth. They, they, exactly. Yeah. I mean, if and I told even... them the truth, I knew what the answer would be, too, I think. If I yes. told them I was drinking. Yes. 12 to 15 beers a night or whatever it was, uh, then they just said, well, let's first stop that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They would have said not to do it. <laughs> well, let's just not drink. It would have been like, wait, do you want me to stop? Like, no, I can't let that be the solution. There's got to be another solution. There's got to be a different yeah. one. That one but can't be it. There's really an odd thing in our thinking when you think that we do that, though, because it would seem the, it, that it would be more rational just don't go to the doctor. You know, <laughs> just don't go if you're not going to exactly. tell them the truth. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, we do both. And I and I've this is another thing I've seen uh, in some like, you know, they use the word dual, dual diagnosis and people that are, you know, a lot of people that I meet up with a lot of newcomers and they're sure they have uh, some kind of mental problem with them. You know, they're yeah. sure of it. You know, they won't accept that this is could be uh, this mental problem is alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would rather be schizophrenic or bipolar or, mm-hmm. you know, they're choosing yeah. to yeah. self-diagnose themselves with some kind of mental disorder rather than admit that it's the alcohol. And I think what I love about that, what you just said, which you give me to the end of my story, is um, the fact that I did try to find some of the label because I wanted something that had a solution. Yeah. You know, I wanted schizophrenia or bipolar because there was Great, a solution. Good point. Yeah. There's there's medication for bipolar. There's medication for this. There's, you know, there's something that gives me that I was identified as something. So therefore I had a way to go get some treatment. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yep. And maybe I, didn't I could know get I was an fixed. alcoholic. Yeah. Maybe I could get fixed and keep on drinking. Exactly. If they would just yeah. give me the and I did find that in part of my in my story. You know, I found pain pills. Oh, when wow. I found pain, the pain medications, yeah, uh, the the alcohol stopped working for me. I was like in that spot you were talking about, you know, talking to the alcohol and would sit there and look at a can of beer for a few minutes and yeah, and debate with myself whether if I'm going to open it up because I know once I open it up, then I'm off to the races and I'm going to drink until I go to sleep tonight. That's right. And um, and I was really my, like I said, the alcohol had stopped working for me, and I found the pain pills. And when I put the pain pills in with the alcohol, Ooh. everything was good again. 
yeah. everything was perfect. I mean, yes. I just thought, man, if I could have a lifetime supply of those, I would be just fine. Little did I know where the, you know, where that was. Yes, where that road. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's all the enemy. He's so conniving. You know, he's so he's 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 ingenious, really. I mean, he's yep. just like the exact thing that you do not need is exactly what he gives you. Yeah. Just to spiral you down. Kill, steal, and destroy. And yeah. I mean, and that's what he did. He but so let's get, you took all those Seroquils and yes, you drank I took all a whole those bo- both bottles of wine. I did, yeah. And then when I told my um, husband about it, uh, you know, of course he freaked out. He's like, "Baby, what's wrong? What can I do? I, you know, what, what's wrong?" What can I? And I was like, "You know, fuck it. It's not gonna happen fast enough." Because he'd already called the cops and the ambulance to come get me. And so I ran out into the middle of the street in hopes that I can make it faster. Maybe a car will come, you know, and just bam, and I'll just be there. Like again, drama. I'm the TV movies and the movies. Like I'm gonna run out there. I get hit by a car. I'll die real quick, and everybody be happy. You know, who needs me around anyway? I'm just this person who can't stop drinking. I'm tired of living. I'm tired of feeling the way I feel. And um, I had one car kind of swerve around, you know, and I'm mm. mad at the car. And I'm like, you pussy! You know, I'm mad at the car. Like, <laughs> why did you take my life? <laughs> <laughs> And so I ended up in the emergency room and now I know that I started the detox process and they, you know, was flushed me with liquids and they put me on suicide watch, throw shit at the edge of the bed in the room. And um, my mother-in-law came and to visit, my husband was there and I agreed to go to, uh, cause again, I was trying to find the solution, but as you said, to your point, the solution that would allow me to keep drinking. So I went to the rehab um, that was about an hour and a half away. I had to like go there in the gurney, like strapped down in the back of the ambulance. And like, I'm like, this is insane. I mean, I'm insane. Like what's wrong? I'm going to insane war, you know, and slept the entire time. I mean, sleeping as I was getting checked in, just in and out of sleep. And, um, well, you had the scrubs on, you know, the plastic pins and the paper bag trash cans. I'm like, if this ain't rock bottom, it was rock bottom. Because <laughs> everybody's rock bottom is different. And I thought that, and I thought that was mine. And so I went there. And actually, there was a, a, an episode before that that I thought that was my rock bottom because I went to a weekend rehab before I had that last weekend of drinking. And that was, I really did think I was in the same war. There's people talking to themselves, people shitting themselves. I'm like, oh my God, this is horrible. I me, mean, I don't belong here. But as soon as I got out, I got the bottles. That's the two bottles I got that I ended up taking the pills with. Mm. And so I'm in this part-time residential, part-time facility and um, started starting to understand a little bit about um, the potential of this being something. I have a problem. I'm not alone. Uh, Essential oils, yoga, all that kind of stuff. But um, I ended up going to a residential rehab not too far from my home. My husband did a great job finding something. It was a beautiful place. Like it, I don't even see how it's a rehab. It felt like a spa facility. I didn't feel like I deserved it. But in that place, what I'm trying to do, in that rehab, I was told that I have a disease. And my therapist said that alcoholism is a disease. And I'm like, huh? Remember how I said about I wanted to go to the doctor to get some kind of a label? I needed something yep. to say it has, there's a solution. She's like, alcohol is a disease. And I was like, so there's nothing wrong with me. Like, I'm not, I'm not weak. I'm not immature. I'm not being lazy. I'm not broken. There's something wrong with my brain. Like, my brain does not operate like the normal person. And if I drink, um, the phrase she always says, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. Yep. And to play the tape forward. Those are my two favorite quotes from my therapist. One is too many, a thousand is never enough and play the tape forward. So when I see that commercial with that brandy and the beautiful brown and the need and the cold and, and I 
and I play that tape about, oh yeah, that one drink. Oh my God, I, I missed this. That second one. Oh, I can do it by that. Cause it's going to keep going. It's not going to be a first second. Even if I did it, cause I did that dry drunk stage uh, for six months where um, I didn't. And so when I started drinking again, that seventh month, it was like, oh yeah, I went two days without drinking. I'm strong enough, you know? Oh, it's been a week and I didn't drink. I got this. But yep. They're progressive. It, we have a progressive disease. I have a progressive disease. It just gets worse. And where I was within three months of being six months dry sober, I was t- two years deep. Like I had never stopped. And that's it ended up the suicide attempt and the rehab. And I'm, I'm actually, I'm grateful to know that I have that. It's so many benefits that comes with being an alcoholic or an addict, in my opinion. I think it's just, it's grace. It gives me opportunity. I'm in here talking to you now. This is going to be my career now. I'm able to use my recovery as a platform, you know, to speak to people, to inspire them, to, to get people to realize that there's hope, you know, and if I didn't drink the way I did, and if I didn't have this disease and I didn't go find out about it, I wouldn't be able to do this today. Yeah. And I would still be drinking and I would still be what I thought was broken and I'd be dead. Yeah. If I was still alive. Exactly. I'd be dead. If yep. I drank again, and I and I know this, and I say it out loud a couple of times to remind myself, I'm not the one that can relapse for a day or two. I've had brothers and sisters in the program that have relapsed for a week or a couple of months, and they go back to that day one. There will never be a day one for me. I, I, my insatiable desire was so strong that if I drink again, that's it. I'm not yeah. going to stop. My ego would be in the way. I couldn't go back and say, oh my God, I relapsed. No, I, I would be so... Fuck it. You know, <laughs> when in Rome, do his Romans. I would just went back to this is what I do. This is who I am. Apparently, I'm a drunk. I'm just going to drink till I die. That's what my that's what my biological father did. He made a statement to me once. As long as they make it, he's going to drink it. And and that, and I thought that would have you thought that would have scared me to not become one. But I took it like a challenge. Like, oh, OK, well, he didn't make it. I can make it. Mm-mm. So that's pretty much my story, brother. Did, did, he, uh, <laughs> did he pass away before uh, you were sober? He did. Okay. He did. So, Both yeah. of them did. Both of them that's, did. You know, that gets into more of this, these interesting things that happen to us that we get to experience, you know, and I, um, I don't know this for sure, but I have some feelings about it of like, those are signs that I could have looked at, you know, those mm-hmm. were things that were given to me that said, Hey, like, you know, it was the universe, God, whatever, tapping me on the shoulder and giving me a sign saying, Hey, pay attention. Right. And I would still overlook that and say, it won't happen to me. Yes. Um, you know, I started losing friends when I was in uh, junior high school wow. to alcoholism. I had a friend who shot himself uh, drinking and John could not stop drinking. And we didn't understand it at all. You know mm-hmm. why this guy had a bottle of whiskey in his backpack at work mm-hmm. or I mean at school. And, yeah. uh, and, and he would get completely blitzed, you know, and, uh, and see, it was, you know, it was not till I came to Alcoholics Anonymous and started learning about this disease. Did I understand that? And all of a sudden one day I was like, damn, that's what happened to John. Yeah. And that's what happened to Glenn. And that's what happened to Hunter. And that's what, you know, and I started looking at how this disease had been taking my friends away since I was young, but I didn't see it. I wasn't aware of it. I didn't know that, that, you know, I just, and, you know, and it seems like it seems, and that's one of the things why I think this mental disease, uh, it seems completely crazy that I would watch that many people die around me as a result of this stuff and keep on drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, we talk and about a lot about, about the or about the opiate epidemic, epidemic, and we certainly have one. Uh, but alcohol takes more lives than opiates ever thought about, uh, and has for a lot more years. And, and, too. and it will continue to do because of the. Um, I think I was I was lifting home. Somebody was I take lift home because um, my daughter keeps my car whatever. But um, he made up the point. He's like, isn't it funny how? alcohol you can die from alcohol just from not drinking right we can have withdrawal syndromes yeah we can withdraw we can have the the shakes and 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 we could die just from not drinking and trying to withdraw from it but and weed um just you know or marijuana you know it's medicinal or it can give you health benefits everything else so they want they they legalize alcohol which can literally kill you right but they want to make marijuana illegal like no ban you can't do that so i said you know you got a good point like because even with covid east the one of the essential stores was the liquor stores yep. and i was like but i and i understood it to a degree because i knew that if i was still drinking the way i was it would have been essential like i literally would have been like if i don't drink i'm i'm gonna die or i'm gonna hurt somebody or hurt me or something you know because i needed that i needed that to function Yep. So I kind of saw it, but a friend in the medical field also explained to me about why that was was is that uh, that the medical community did not need uh, whatever a half a million detoxing alcoholics to hit it all of a sudden because wow. if they took away the alcohol and yeah. we started detoxing and yeah. needed medical attention, oh, they man. they were already at capacity, you know, with what they could do. And they didn't need a whole bunch of alcoholics. And that, that made that. more sense to me than any other solution. I can uh, see that. You know, that just, makes just sense. Just keep drinking until we yeah, get, keep drinking. Until keep, we get yeah, past this, yourself, you know? Yeah, yeah. Keep drinking. Don't <laughs> die. Is, you know, don't get too sick to come to the hospital, but keep doing what you've been doing. Stay functional yeah, right, <laughs> until exactly. this thing wears lays down a little bit. Yeah, because there are a sense. lot of alcoholics out there functioning okay, oh you know? God, they're keeping yes. the nose up and they're, yeah. you know, they're not in crisis yet. Oh, I was very functional. Were you functional? Yeah. I was extremely functional. I mean, yeah. I st- I'm, a, I'm a teacher by trade. I kept my job. I kept my husband. I kept my grown children. I had grandkids. I mean, you could not look at me on paper or in person and tell that I would come home and drink three or four bottles or you just, you couldn't tell. And then yeah. I was the fun party person, you know, whenever there was a house party, they couldn't wait for me to show up, you know, cause yeah. my personality flared even more when I was drinking. And so the people was like, Oh yeah, yo, it's here. It's going to be fun. Or I'm like, where's cups? Where's cups? So no, there was, you couldn't tell that I was not, that I was, now that I I know I was hurt, that I was so hurt, just, I was full of pain that I didn't know that I was full of. Yeah. That, um, and I used that for an excuse to convince myself I didn't have a problem. I held a job. I was an engineer for 28 years, uh, same place, same company. Mm. And, you know, alcoholics don't do that. You right. know, you don't yeah. see, and, yeah. you know, and I've said this over, over again too, that, you know, I had a beautiful wife, two kids, a nice home, two cars in a garage had held a job for over 20 years. Uh, alcoholics don't do all that, you know, so therefore I'm not one Yeah, to say that thing about the, you know, I mean, I know a lot of people that finally came around and, you know, they knew I was drinking a little differently than other people were, uh, my relatives and other things, you know, when I'd be asleep on the couch at Thanksgiving, because I already show, I overshot the mark again and, and those kind of things. But, um, once I started getting to the pills, uh, I started breaking in houses to steal them. Oh my and, uh, goodness. And, and, and that sure as hell wasn't what anybody that looked at Dan Reeves, right. uh, like what I was hiding and what I really was and knew I was, 
uh, was not what I was showing everybody else. Wow. Which uh, would lead to even more of us, what I would call um, medicating, self-medication, because not but because trying to keep that name, trying to keep it, but just knowing that behind these doors, I'm a totally different person. Yeah. I feel totally different. I'm doing different things. And I never really think that I got to the point that I was embarrassed for my drinking because everybody knew I drank and everybody knew I drank too much. But it it wasn't like I didn't have a lot of instances where I was throwing up in front of people right. or um, like peeing on myself in front of people. Like all this stuff was usually by myself or all the way home or I knew my misery. Yeah, Nobody I, else knew my misery. I do that deal where I'd overshoot the mark and I'd, you know, uh, be napping in people's homes and they would, you know, they'd be having a party and they'd go, where's Dan? And, and they'd find me asleep in a back bedroom at somebody else's house or something, you know, oh, but wow. you know, that on that category, that put me to where I, like I was a lightweight. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it yeah. wasn't that I drank too much; is I couldn't handle my liquor. Uh, <laughs> but Another nobody knew out. how much I was doing. You know, and like you're talking, nobody had an idea what I was doing over to the side. And you know, they thought that I was drinking with them. They didn't know the amount yes, that I had exactly. before I got there, and then I was slipping off and taking a it's shot in the car. And, yeah, 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 and that kind of thing where I was doing yeah. the added stuff. You know, so uh, but you yeah. hide all that. You know, and the last thing in the world I want people to see that. Yeah, that's funny because you said that's true. Like nobody ever really knew all the what I was doing before and during. They just because at the at the beginning they knew I was a lightweight, but they thought that because my husband had said that to me several times. Like, how much did you drink? Like, you know, how'd you get to this part? I only saw you with two glasses. You know, yep, he started like, yep. I don't saw you two glasses of wine. Like, was it? Did you mix it? Like, how much did you drink? And I'd be like, you really just have no idea the lengths I've gone to to hide that and I didn't even think I was hiding it I just never made it obvious you know now the boom I did I hid yeah. the yeah, shots I would, I would try little... to get you to think I wasn't hiding it but you know yeah this other thing about how well we hide from ourselves when we're doing that that's what this whole thing about like this disease that's taken over and hijacked my operating system that I'm not in control of my faculties anymore I'm operating as something other than the real Dan because the real yeah. Dan's sitting here today you know he's back yes. And he was yes. here when I was a little kid too. Yes. But someplace in there, my spirit got stepped on, and uh, and I found that drugs and alcohol was a way to that made me feel okay that I could interact with you, and you know the stereotypical I could dance with the girls at the dance at school, and yes. Yes. and I started getting that solution until it uh, come around like Bill says in the book, like a boomerang, yeah. and all but cut me to shreds. That is awesome. You said that I feel the same way. Like I, this is me now. This is and and I remember her being here before. She yep. was here before, but she was here before all the drinking. Yep. And then somewhere along the way, she just, I couldn't recognize her anymore. Even physically and emotionally, spiritually, I would look in the mirror and I did not recognize myself. I remember my eyes being real dark underneath once and just, you know, not even blush out, right? But I remember looking in the mirror like, oh my God, who are you? And I said that aloud to myself, who are you? Like, yeah. I don't know who you are. I didn't know who I was, but I had been that way for, cause I drank for two decades. I had been that way for so long. Even today, sometimes I question, is this the real me? Yeah, me too. Or is this the me that I kind of thought I was, you know, and drinking just enhanced her or, you know, put me down a little bit, broke, broke it down some. But that, I, 
I feel like I'm the real, real me now. Me too. Uh, there's that. And I think that's still that disease that's sitting there trying to bubble up and trying to derail me. Some people call it the darkness. Some people call it the devil. You know, right, I, don't really, right. I don't really care. I, there is a force yeah, that does that. Force. Uh -huh. And, uh, and, and at times it wants me, you know, like the imposter syndrome thing that, you yeah. know, who do you think you are to be yeah. doing a podcast yeah. and going yeah. around and doing yeah. the things you're doing. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. But I know that's not true because I have real friends in my life today that are <laughs> on my side and uh, I can always check and touch base with those folks you know and because i didn't let you see me really back then either you know i had what might be you, you know i kept these friends but they were doing kind of the same thing i was doing uh and and they weren't about to tell on their disease right. <laughs> or mine because yeah. that yeah. lets it out in the room yeah. here you know yeah. uh -huh. uh, yeah. My, yeah. my sober friends today uh i say like you know this community i'm a part of today you know we like all have a thermometer in each other's mouths almost and we can mm -hmm. tell each other's temperatures because we've gotten to know each other and we've allowed our truth to come out and and be our real selves so when uh travis is acting a little goofy i can say hey man what's going on yeah. <laughs> and yeah. this they can do the same thing him. with me yeah and he knows you. I don't have that yet. I still have, um, I started being so isolated towards the end that I kind of just did everything between me, my family, the husband and daughter. So, and I have a network now of people, but it's on a, the entrepreneur side that mm. I feel like they see me and they accept me for me and I'm allowed to, you know, build up this yo or Yolanda, but I don't have the social part of that. I don't have anybody except for the few brothers I have in this um, ongoing alumni meeting that we do every Wednesday night um, to, from, from the, the rehab that we both went to. Yeah, for the treatment center. Yeah, it's it's. I, there's two of them that we have that sort of like we went out there one time because the our coordinator was moving, so we all got together, went to a meeting, and went out to eat afterwards. And that was the first time I had been out with a group of people since I got sober. Mm. that wasn't family then you know or it wasn't something like because everything i was keeping i was so isolated but it felt so comfortable because you know we would tell jokes we'd laugh and everybody drinking water you know <laughs> yep, yep. or 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 a sweet tea or or a coke you know but it wasn't that because i mean early on when i got sober i remember going to an event for my husband's best friend's birthday and i hadn't been around anybody and i sat there and all of a sudden i was like he's like you okay and i was like and I turned and the guy had came late and he had ordered a crown. And like that's that familiarity, that smell, like I know that, you know, I knew that. And, and I yep. went right to the bathroom and said, I'm gonna wash my hands. He said, you all right? I said, I'm good. He's said, we can move. I said, no, I'm good. I've got to learn to, to live life on life terms. I can't control the environment to a degree. Yep, you right. Know? The book says that too, you know, efforts to shelter us from alcohol are, isn't going to work. That's no. not the way we got to learn to live. We got to learn yes. to live with it around us because it is around us, you know. It is around us. And, 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 it's, and it's around us so much. I used to tell my addict friends, I was jealous. I'm jealous of y'all because it seems to me until they told me the truth. I said, I feel like y'all have to like go through, again, movies. You have to go through too much trouble to get a drug. You know, you got to go down to the shady parts of town or you've got to, you know, no shady people. You got to do, but me, I can just go to a fucking Walmart. You know, <laughs> it's like right there or the corner store and it's right there. There's no, oh, stay away from the alcohol. But then he's like, yo, do you know I can have, um, he's, I can have, it's something, the drug shipped to my house right now through the internet. And I'm like, what? He said, it could be here tomorrow. And I'm like, oh my God. Like I'm thinking that they had to go through stuff, but they've got it down to where it's just, it's convenient for anybody. Yeah, But probably, you know, most of the time when you're out in public, 
the guy next to you is not breaking out a needle at the table exactly. and he's not cutting a yeah. line of cocaine yes. out on the, yes. on the table. Yes. Uh, so there's a little bit of difference. I, I do yeah. like to play with that a little bit though. And I like, there's people that I know that will say they keep alcohol around the house in case somebody comes over and wants something, you know, uh-huh. and I just personally don't just subscribe to that. You know, at the end of my thing, I was looking at a six to 20 year prison sentence for, I got caught breaking in those houses. So uh, my, my early sobriety was dependent upon me staying sober. I get to, I had two choices in this hand was staying sober. And in this hand was going to prison. And so it, it gave me a great deal of desperation to stay. Yes. Sober. So, Ooh. Four years earlier, I'd come into recovery and I didn't stay sober. I bounced, you know, I was in and mm. out and in and out and in and out and doing like uh, what you were saying, come back in a meeting. So, you know, I yes, fucked up again. Yes, and, yes. And uh, by the time I hit that spot, I had, I like, I'd choke around, like I had cut all the corners off of my AA card. I felt like I wasn't welcome anymore. That was baloney, mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. but I, my ego wouldn't let me go back anymore. And, uh, but. God snuck me in the back door (laughs) and uh, tricked me into going to this meditation meeting, which I turned out to be an AA meeting in disguise. (laughs) And and then once the ice was broken, uh, I could get back in and, and rejoin. But uh, so that deal, that's where I said that to say, this is that I protected my recovery a whole bunch. I knew that I couldn't have a beer in the refrigerator. That beer would get drank. Uh, I couldn't do it. And I'd played yeah. that game before where I tried to keep a little bit of alcohol around, mm-hmm. but that's that disease keeping it around. I think, you know, he yeah, said, yeah, okay, yeah. buy some and you can keep it there in case bill comes over and, you know, and Thank bill never came now. over. And one day I would open the bottle. And, uh, so that's a joke around when people talk about keeping that stuff around their house, you know, I'm like, well, you know, yeah, I keep a little methamphetamine in the drawer over there too, in case somebody comes over and wants some of that or a little yeah, heroin yeah. or a little, you know, keep a little cocaine they, in my, they in look my, at me like, what are you crazy? Drawer. And I'm like, well, it's the same thing. I mean, it really is. It's just yes, this it is. dependency on a, on a, mm. on a substance that's, that's mm-hmm. killing you. Yeah. And you're going to keep it around the house. So, you know, uh, yeah. I don't want to get, y'all have snakes down there, right? Like rattlesnakes. I'm, I'm sure they do. They have around here. I don't know where they are, but I'm sure uh, they do. Yep. Those kill you, right? They do. Uh, I'm not going to have one living in my house. I don't care how good a way I keep an eye on it. Cause I'll step my foot off the couch one day and that sucker will bite me in the ankle. And that's right. the same way I think about having alcohol or drugs around my house. I like uh, that. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's the moth flying too close to the flame for mm. this dude. Do you ever get concerned about the the years? Because I've I've met people. There's one girl in rehab, um, the facility where I found out I had the disease. She had 13 years sobriety, <clears throat> 13 years sobriety, and she was in rehab. Mm-hmm. And I've met somebody else in another one that the one I went to for that um, week, that temporary one. He had 23 years sobriety, and then here he was in rehab. And I'm it's like to me. And maybe, like you said, it's that it's that mind, the psyche is broken, and the psyche keeps telling me, like, "Oh, well, you're not coming. Just give yourself some more time. You know, you're going to end up slipping, but you can bounce back." That's why I said the relapses it used uh. to be attractive. It used to be attractive, like, and and then when you say things like, you know, the ego stops you from going in, but yeah, but if you again, that's the control. Like, but if I can control my ego though. Cause I can always go back, you know, my brotherhood and sisterhood, I was accepting me in welcome arms. So it's okay if I slip for a couple of months and, you know, I have the tools now, you know, I know what to do now. I know how to get to the meetings. I know how to do the 12 steps. I know how to, you know, it's just, it's, it's so irritating. It's like, somebody just want to tell you, just shut the fuck up, just shut up. It's like, I just wish it was another way to like, well, you know, I think that's the, and I love your attitude. Cause I think that's the one to have that. I don't have another drunk in me. I, do, I can't yeah. afford to do this again. I think that's the way that that's the right attitude. 
uh, and that thinking it through, you know, what's my history show, you know, yeah. my history is I drink and then I go down this path, you yeah. know, and that's the, my history every single time, you know, why do I think that I do it differently this time? It's going to be the same thing. Again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I've yeah. had people in here. I had a, uh, uh, counselor, a guy who runs a business in uh, California. Uh-huh. He was on just a couple of weeks ago and he was sober for 11 years and he had uh-huh. it went back to school. He was running a treatment center. Oh, he was wow. running. He had started and was running a treatment and was center around it all and, day and relapsed. And See, uh, what is that, Dan? Like, what is that? This mental twist in here, man. And that, you know, I, I, uh, you know, because for me, I say this, I stand today on the fact that I participate in my recovery at a, at a high level today. I do these podcasts. I sponsor a bunch of people through the 12 steps. We have this program here in Louisville, Kentucky, where we're giving the 12 steps to anybody and everybody. I sponsor people who are not drug, drug addicts and alcoholics, and I deliver them these 12 step tools. I mean, I'm the communication director kind of dude for all yeah. my groups yeah. and I yeah. run, the, I host the Zoom meetings, you yes. know, yeah. I participate yeah. because yes. I, that's what keeps me in the loop but then here's this guy working in the field and owns you know owns his own recovery center i'm I'm not here to judge because yep me neither it's a great story you know what that is that's to me the way i look at that or for this dude the way i look at that is the same signs i was getting back when my friends were nine in high school show right that's saying hey dude tap me on the show see that Mm -hmm. that could be you that's right that could be you yeah. And today I have the wherewithal to watch that and look at it yes. and, and, and take some action to yes. not, not oh, rest on my notice. laurels. You're right. My sponsor is a, is a counselor here at a local treatment center in Louisville. And, and I, I knew he was, but that's not how I met him. I met him just in the rooms and 12 step rooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in May, he will celebrate 37 years of sobriety. Ooh, and, uh, ah! and, uh, and his drug of choice and people will laugh at him. His drug of choice is marijuana. You know, what's get ready to be legal. Mm, yeah. And so, yeah. He's, and, uh, and it's in, and that, that he will be true, be truthful with me and telling me, you know, that eats at him to think that, you know, in not too long around the corner, he's going to be able to go down the street and get it. And it's better than any marijuana that he ever smoked 38 years I ago. Bet. You know, oh my God, it, taps, he's it taps him that. on the shoulder oh, too. Yes. That would be like they like they up like instead of having four glasses of something, they created now the alcohol where you can have a, a, a little tube of something and you get to four glasses in, like they you know, yep. that's what be the marijuana hit for him. Like yep. and it so tastes better now. too. You yeah. know, usually it when alcohol better. gets stronger, it tastes worse. That's yeah, one that's right. one kind of yeah. good thing about alcohol is the stronger it is, the worse it tastes, at least for me. Yeah, I never uh, even taste I just, I stopped tasting it. You know, I literally remember a couple of times I'll hold my nose. <laughs> And chug it real quick because because I didn't want to smell the taste of it. Like, I'm just gonna like not taste just it. Get it in me. Get it in me. That's it. Yeah, get it in yeah. there so I can get to that. Get to that buzz. Get that. And those are all interesting things to think about. That uh, you know, people with time and and you know, the yeah. one thing I love about is uh, by sponsoring people that are new in recovery a lot. I, I've heard it said to call it keeping it green where I'm always around some newcomers who are really struggling and having life, having what I don't have anymore reminds me over and over again of what it could be like. Uh, You know, they come in with a giant pile of problems and they don't know how to solve them, you know, but, you know, and we work on solving their drink problem and all of a sudden this pile of problems gets smaller. They solve themselves when we take care of this problem. And so that helps me stay, you know, stay in the boat. 
Yeah, you're right. I can't. I just I haven't surrounded myself like that. And I I know a girl um, at the alumni meeting. She asked me a question. She has to do our sponsor, and I was like, "Ugh, the inevitable question." I've been trying to avoid all these. All these <laughs> said, like, "Oh my God, do I sponsor?" And I was like, "You know, I don't know. It's, I think I'm just so I'm I'm not lime green, but I'm not evergreen. I'm not hunter green, so I'm afraid that'll be too close to the. It's just too close to the source. Hmm. Like my daughter still drinks. Um, she. She doesn't drink as often as she did with me, so she says. But there was one night um, she came home that the cops had to bring her home because she had drank too much and she was driving. And but it really it wasn't the drinking and driving that got her pulled over. The car had hit something and and it ended up being pulled to the side of the road, caught on fire. I was good stuff. That's why she had my car and I lift. But they brought her to the door and she was drunk and she was fussing. Take me, yeah. And I was like, oh, and I, my husband, I would tell me, he used to tell me things like, I smell it in your pores. I'm like, no, you don't. It's just something wrong with your nose. You don't smell nothing. You just make it up. She want me to stop drinking. But being around, I'm like, oh, he was right. Like, it's just you it's in, it's in your it. body. Yeah, it's in your body. Like it just, you could have drank a day before, but it's something about it exudes. So anyway, that night um, I had to go straight to a, I had just found out, I think God, he's just so amazing. I just found out two weeks before that they were having virtual women's meetings that were 24 seven. So every hour on the hour, there was a meeting. And this happened to have been three o'clock in the morning. Mm. And, and my first thing was like, what did I do? I had shame, like I fucked up. She only drank with me. You know what I mean? She's trying to help me out. My fault. And she's out there drinking on her own. Yes, my fault. It's my fault that she's drinking. It's my fault she did this. You know, I turned and then because I was so good at not dealing with my emotions. That's what I used to drink to cover up the pains. And yep. so I went straight to like, I just want to drink now. I just want to drink now. So I had to feel this way. I want to think this way. And I went right into the phone and got on that meeting. And I was able to share that. And, and, and that's when I said, you know what, I really do now see what people say about these rooms that saved their life. Because there has been a couple of times too, where I left the house, pissed off at my husband early sobriety, like within his first year. And I was the choice, the choice to go left to Applebee's and sit at the bar or go right, to, you know, to the meeting. And I was like, I went right, but at the meeting I shared it. And it was like, yo, if you ever fucking think about going left again, you better call me. But it was just knowing that support was there, but then also, that little demon was still tapping on me. Like, why are you dealing with this? Why try to feel this when you don't have to? Yep. And so that, that was one of those scary moments for me because that I couldn't do anything about it. My, usually when I think about it, it's when, like you said earlier for you is when things don't usually go in your favor or the way you like them. For me, it's that control. When I can't control an outcome or if mm. I can't have things the way I want them, it's, it's just easier to, to drink, you know, I had, to, I had to add this thing the, the, yesterday. Um, I made a joke about my daughter, me drinking wine. I said, if I only drink water the way I drink wine, I wouldn't have this 25 pounds from COVID. <laughs> and I said, why do I not drink water the way I drink wine? Cause I literally, I can replace it with different things. Like I replaced it with chocolate when I yep. got out of rehab. But then again, that wasn't good. Like you probably could take somebody through a 12 steps of, you know, sugar. Yep. sugar addiction because yep. that's all it became was i couldn't stop eating the chocolate but for some reason it's something about that pain point of choosing something that's not beneficial why do we do that like yep. i could easily replace you know shots of tequila with working out like why yep. would i not say i went through all this trouble to go get this why would i go through all this trouble to create a lifestyle to be in shape it just yep. baffles me the way this brain works yeah like that uh somebody said that what's the difference between a bad habit and a good habit Good habits are easy to break. <laughs> yes, they are. That is so true. That's true. Uh, 
Yep, because we really should be drinking that much water, really, exactly. from what I understand from the science. But I yes. just can't sit down and do that. You know, no. and people who say they drink because they like the taste of it, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, they drink it because of the effect it has on you. It's, There's no other it. way around yeah. it. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah. and you know, yeah. um, I believe it's my uh, belief that we we do anything really to change the way we feel. Because yes. I don't feel okay right now just being me. Uh, just mm -hmm. as a normal uh, static person sitting here, I'm not okay with me. Mm -hmm. So chocolate will change your mood, yes, you know, and yep. and these other things that aren't quite, you know, I'm not going to go to jail for eating too much chocolate. Yeah. Uh, right. Until I guess unless I started breaking in the store, stealing it or something. <laughs> uh, but chances are I'm not going to, you know, nicotine, caffeine, you yeah. know, uh, yeah. there's a lot of substances we use to, mm -hmm. uh, change the way change it the feel. mood. Yeah. And what the 12 steps did for me is made me understand a little bit, but maybe understand some of the things about why I tick, uh, what makes me tick and be able to see and, and observe me and, and get to feeling better on a normal basis rather than, cause one of my things is all the remorse for things I did in the past until mm -hmm. I resolved them, which the 12 steps tools did for me. I resolved mm -hmm. all the past stuff. Uh, every time I tried to move forward in life, my past got in my way, you know, I would, yeah. I bumped my head into it. Um, and then, you know, <clears throat> since then I've done a lot of other things. You know, there's a mankind project. It's a, a worldwide project that helps mm -hmm. it's basically men helping men be better men oh, and it's I and it resolves that. and it resolves masculine energy and this kind yes. of stuff some things that you know that a lot of times you kind of get uh i don't know it's not necessarily cool to be a masculine man yeah, yeah right yeah uh, yeah and, and it helped that helped me a whole lot with that corner of my life you know and uh and i do yoga uh, wow. I'm, a, I'm a yoga teacher. I did what? a two-hour yoga instructor courses in sobriety, you know, and that was a whole nother learning experience and a growth because of what I think I have to, what I found for me is I need to continue to feed my spirit mm -hmm. that went into that. When, when Bill Wilson said, this is a spiritual malady, um, mm -hmm. although it does have to do with a connection to some, for me, a connection to some outer power greater than myself, it certainly yeah. has that element for me, but the but also in another breath, my very spirit had gotten sick. Yeah. And I had to start treating the spirit inside of me good. Yeah. And start taking care of it and do things that would increase my self-esteem, you know, do esteemable mm -hmm. things so that I mm -hmm. feel better about myself, uh, take care of myself better physically, you know, yeah. uh, and uh, nutritionally and doing things that were better for me. And then when I started doing those things like that, then I felt better. You know, and then I don't need to do anything. You know, I'm not going to be needing to squash that. I don't have that bad feeling in me anymore that I'm trying to make go away because right. I feel really good right now. I'm yeah. healthy. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing mm -hmm. good stuff. I'm a, mm -hmm. I have, mm -hmm. have a purpose in my life where I'm being useful to other human beings, other God's children. Oh, I'm helping wow. them do it, you know, so all that allowed me to feel better mm -hmm. and remove the need for me to grab for stuff to make me feel better. What I like about you saying is like it, it, it goes back to there is a solution and it's different for everybody. But there when um, you say something's going to touch on it. But um, I was thinking as you were talking the. Um, oh, shit. About the, the how long it took. Remember when I told my story how at the beginning I drank wine coolers and then the food, food drinks and then the liquors and stuff. And because when you said we like things that change our mood. And I do, and it's an instant change though. You know, like I can drink something and change my mood in a couple of hours. Whereas for me to go do yoga 
for an hour Months. or for <laughs> yes exactly but it, like i said the um the joke i made with my daughter yesterday if i only drank water the way i drink wine the same thing about this disease it it progressed you know but i'm so used to that quick fix like i just if i could you know, have this couple of shots, I'd have this feeling right now. If I could, you know, hit this couple of buttons, I could have this feeling right now, which I didn't drink weed. Well, I didn't smoke weed, but I know people who do. <laughs> but that um, that that time span that it would take to get to where you just described, it yeah. takes time. Yeah, and does. I think that's why it's so, it's easier to have that um, that instant gratification. That's to, exactly it, yeah. I know, and but again, I mean, I don't want to be, I'm not a scientist, but I'm just like, what is that? It's gotta be something... I don't know. Been, I mean, you know part it's of it's society. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it, we're not to blame for it. I don't, you know, again, I never yeah. want to put like this as a blame game, but I can right. look at causes and conditions and things that, because I mean, you know, it used to be you had to fill your lighter with the fluid and you might be out and your lighter didn't work. It used yeah. to be when you click the TV on, it took a few minutes for that sucker to come on. You sure, right. Or uh, and it yeah. cut off and it cut off with static at yeah, the end of right. the night. Yeah. There was, there yeah. was no and 24-7. You had to watch it and then go to, go yeah. to bed or whatever. Most yeah. of what we have today is instant type it of stuff. Is. We have instant coffee. We have instant food. You know, you just go yeah. down to McDonald's and drive through the drive-through, and boom, you got a bag of food. Mm. Uh, we've just gotten into this lifestyle that 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 uh, quick fixes that of quick fixes. Mm -hmm. Everything's yeah. a, you know, and quick and fixes. of course, when I get here and Alcoholics Anonymous or whatever cessation program you're in, uh, you know, that's what I want. I want to be better tomorrow. Yeah. You know, and this is yeah. not a, you know, and and also yeah. like you said, you spent two decades getting here, right. and I want to get back in two weeks. You know, exactly. it's like, no, yeah. that's not the way it because works. <laughs> I think because the two decades didn't, I, I didn't realize you, that it was a journey. You know, it, it didn't feel like something was happening. You know, whereas this is a, a conscious choice to say, okay, well, I'm going to start this lifestyle where I am healthy and I'm doing service work and I'm, you know, doing the good things. But knowing that it's happening is the problem because I didn't know it then. Like you just yeah, went through the right. motions, like, oh, this is. And as you look in hindsight, oh, there was a process. I didn't just wake up and two weeks later, I'm in a rehab center for, you know, yeah. drinking too much. It took yeah. years. Yeah. But because I was so ignorant to it, it was and, easier to do. You know, you, have, you was fuzzed up, you know, you had yeah. that on you. Yeah. And yeah. uh it's like I said, it's kind of like that veil. It's a fog that's back there. That mm, mm, I didn't mm. see the lighthouse. Uh I was buried in the fog. Wow. That's exactly yep. And uh another kind of funny thing is is that and, and I don't I'm, I listen to this guy and he talks about this disease being a, you know, we are the universe, right? We're all connected. You right jive with yeah. that. Yeah, uh, the, with the whole ripple effects, range yeah, that we're yeah. doing that. That the disease yeah. is the same thing, and your disease and my disease is the same thing. It's actually cooked up together, and that's why you feel it in the way that I feel it. When we talk to mm -hmm. each other, we relate mm -hmm. to one another. You know, because yeah. how could it be affecting you down in Texas in the exact same way it's affecting me in Louisville, Kentucky? Kentucky, that's and right. Not be, uh, yeah. not be and affecting the people same overseas thing. in the UK and in yep. Germany. Yeah, it's yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause it's uh you know, a lot of, I, I get to overthinking things sometimes the same thing with spiritual matters and religion. You know, there were people way before communication was available before we were writing stuff in books. Uh, right. Human race was carving yes. stuff in cave Ooh. walls and on Ooh, cliff walls mm -hmm. yeah. representing the same thing on opposite sides of the world. And they didn't mm -hmm. have a cell phone mm -hmm. to call each other and, you know, talk about God or whatever, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so they've had some idea of it. Something was out there. Ooh. That they were representing on mm -hmm. cave walls mm -hmm. in the same way. 
And yeah. so that today, you know, I, you know, when I was drinking stuff, I wanted to reject all that. Uh, I, I didn't want to know it. I didn't want to think about it. I Thank just you. wanted to 100% yeah. reject mm -hmm. it. And by the time I got here, I had to really do some work on getting myself opened up about those concepts today. And, uh, you know, if you, if you open, in my experience, if I open myself to it, then I will, uh, it'll, what the Bible says, knock and the door will be opened. Yes. Uh, if I, once I open myself to it, then I, then I can receive it. When you say I was in, um, junior college and I remember, um, they had a panel discussion of different religions because uh, I grew up non-denominational, more or less. Um, non-denominational Christian, though. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Non-denominational Christian, like non-denominational, but with the basis of Christianity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, so um, if you ask me that one, I didn't with, I really could honestly tell you um, without some kind of guilt going, oh, I got to say this because this is what you were raised to say. Um, but um, he, somebody had asked, um, I asked somebody about the whole Quran and the, and the book they were reading and everything else. And um, I said, anyway, it goes back to this. He said, because my granny said, you never question God. My granny said, you don't question. You never question God. You just take him for what he is. And, you know, I grew up to fear God. And when this guy told me, he's like, no, yo, he wants you to question. Because when you question and the answer you get is that, you know what I mean? You know for sure. It's not like, it's kind of like, um, like the, the the way we try to manage our drinking, like okay, well, let me try wine. Okay, that that still didn't stop it. Let me try vodka instead. When eventually sobriety is the answer, you know, whether it's the twelve step program, whether it's have I got there is my way, but sobriety is the answer. So I think that's how spirituality works. People, you question it to the level that the answer you get, it's your answer, and whatever it takes for you to have the connection, that's what it takes for you to have that connection. That's where I am right now. Because I, like I said, I grew up, I still go to church. I met if I had an event this morning and I rejoined the greeting team and I feel my purpose and my services there. But it's not the way it was growing up. It wasn't this got to go to church, got to have a guy, got to believe in God, got to say God. And the, and the rooms taught me that. Like, you know, one guy said, and I can lie, he's the judge. I'll be like, you can't just say that your spirit connection is the damn doorknob. They was like, if this doorknob keeps you sober, then you touch that doorknob, you come to these meetings. I'm like, now, come on now. You know you got to have something. Y'all can say source and universe, but don't just say it's a damn doorknob. But if it works for that person, because at the end of the day, they have to know for themselves. I can only be accountable for me. And I can only hope that the light that's in me shines out in a way that somebody else resonates with it. And I can give them a little bit of it. Yeah. And that's why I'm there. So I'm, so I'm more open to things like people talking about spiritual readings and, and connecting the sources. And, you know, I, I I'm more like, okay, all right, it's got to be some truth to this stuff because, you know, it wouldn't be around all this time if it wasn't. As long as I do my part ahead of time, like you, like you, you know, had the word, your, your time between, you know, God before we started, as long as I take care of that end for me, then yeah. everything else, I just have to have the faith that God's yeah. in charge of it and he'll, he'll let me see what I need to see and not, you know, yeah, I really it can do. go either way. I really do. Uh, I try my hardest to subscribe to the AA principle is that of God, of God of your understanding or yeah. a higher power of yours. So, yeah. and it's really took, it's taken some evolution because when people would say Jesus for a while, I like flinched, you know, I didn't like that word. I didn't like that particular angle of it for some reason. I don't really know what it was, but today I actually, and I can truly say this with, with, with truth in my heart, that when somebody says that, all I hear them talking about is their higher power, man. And I got to allow them theirs. And I will agree with you. You know, they come to, to me and say, you know, you agree Jesus is the answer, right? And I will say, yes, 
because yeah. to me, they're just saying they're, they're just talking about their higher power and it's working for them. And who am I to get in a way, you know, I'm to get some kind of debate about it, you know, and, you know, it is their answer. Who in the world is this little dude here, this little speck of sand down here on this planet going to turn around and tell this person that, you know, well, no, no actually, yeah. I believe this, you know, exactly. I just go with you, you know, because everybody does have their own and what's working they for you do. is great. And I really, I think it's all the same thing. It's my, I what I've come you. to. We That's just what call I it different too. things. We call, call it different Allah, things. Muhammad, yeah, Buddha, Jesus, God, Source, universe. Yeah. Yeah, and we just all have a different name for it. it. Why wouldn't we? We come from different communities in different places in and the world. There's no way yeah. we would call it the same thing. If we all call it, we, we don't call water the same thing. Sure don't. We it's have got a, different a different word in every different language for right. what water mm -hmm. is. Yeah. Even and, though it's still water. Yep. The same still thing get, for everybody. You get the same way, but not that I mean, yeah, but still. Yeah, but we, does, we won't stand around and argue about water, but we'll stand around and argue about God. You sure right. <laughs> That's right. Or grass. Yes, yes. Got different words for it. So why not have a different word for your connector? Yeah. That's it. That's all it is. As long as that person has a connection. And if they don't, that's still their right too to say, hey, you I can't make you have one. I like I said, I can only hope that my light is bright enough for you to want to come sit in it for a little while and maybe you get a piece of it. Yep. And then yep. that piece might develop over time. Cause I'm a teacher by trade. I've been teaching public schools for 20 years. So I really believe in planting seeds because I used to teach third grade for the long for a long time. And I used to feel like, oh man, I'll never know if these kids made it if they actually did something. But that seed was always planted. And then the other years it was watered and watered and grew. So this when you raise your children, you know, all you can do really as adults is plant on fertile soil. You know, you want to what's it called break it up and make sure it's you know able to receive and put those seeds in there and then life waters it life waters it just yep. hope that it's clean water you know it's, yep, it's not up to me for when and if it generate ger not germinates germinates yeah. is the I right just term. can yeah. control my planet yeah. or water yeah. for some people who already had a planet i hope that i can sprinkle a little water on it yeah find my spot no doubt i had a really yes. good teacher that influenced me early on when those first four years I came into I came into AA in 2011. Literally off a bad weekend, and that's the first time that I came into AA trying not to drink. Now I had some DUIs when I was a kid, and I got court ordered. And uh, but I came in, and I run into some really good guys, and I got a year of sobriety out of the gates, and then put everything down and lost yeah. it for three years, and then ended up staring at that prison sentence. Mm -hmm. uh, but he said, and I still use this, and I use a few things he said to me because I pick up this stuff because I you know i his he planted these seeds the in seeds. me yeah. mm -hmm. and, and he he said that he draws from all the ancient spiritual teachings you know and i thought that don't make any sense you gotta pick one buddy you know because that's the way i've yeah. been kind of taught or, you know i question yeah. if i was really taught that or if that's just what i picked up too you know but i felt like Either i was way. taught that mm -hmm. i had to pick one right yeah. you couldn't yeah. pick a couple you had to pick christianity you had to pick you know yeah. uh, buddhism you, you mm -hmm. had even though you know most buddhists would tell you buddhism is not a religion it's a philosophy mm -hmm. uh, yeah and, but yep. you had to pick one and when this dude stood there in front of me and told me no you don't i can pick from all of them uh, uh and and at the time i wasn't ready you know uh, to really decide you know uh digest that but yeah. over time i've come to digest that and i do like to delve into these other spiritual teachings and stuff and i'm a long way from a scholar on any of it so yeah. don't let me yeah. think i'm up yeah. here saying, i don't even want to be a i scholar. know something but what i do know and what's been handed to me looks like the same teachings wrapped in different color bow 
<laughs> yes. They're all tied they're with a different color bow, and that's really the only difference. And I like a blue bow, and you like a green one, and you like an orange one, and uh, and, and it's really all the same. And and I'm gonna sit here and argue about whose color bow is right. No, exactly, and that's what's been happening for decades, for years, centuries. Forever. It's like it's really so funny. Like what? I'm I'm so glad that I am where I am now because I'm open to have these kind of conversations without yep. feeling like. Because even in you know in some church play in some church groups it's like oh no no but it's your responsibility to make sure that, that person knows that if they don't choose this route <laughs> they're going they to don't hell. make it to yeah <laughs> they ain't gonna make it happen you gotta make sure you let them know like no 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 there's only one way we'll say the um the eye is uh the the something is wide but the, the eye of the, the needle the eye yeah the eye of the needle and the whole needle of the camel going through yep. and yeah take eye you still have to go through it's like it's yep. but i love what you said earlier about the um before there were books but before we had quote quote the word written down you know because because i know the bible says the word of god is god and god is the word so before there was even read this read that study this you know memorize these there had to have been connection, you know, and there and they didn't have something to say. This is the way to be guided to this connection. And I've and for and until now, I guess recently this year, everything's been like just washed down to me to think that it's got to be this one way. And I feel so much better to have the talks with people I know now. Like I respect everything that they say. I respect re- respect. I don't have to like it all or agree with it, but I can at least respect it. Yep. Like you did the bows, the bows, different color bows, but everybody still has a bow. Yep. Uh, and water. I like the water one. <laughs> water is water. I had never different even, languages. I don't think I've ever said the water one before. I think That's I just said one. that for the first time. It come bubbling up today. Because uh, my also, mind works in analogies real well when I me look too. at things like that, you know. Uh, and uh, one of my favorites that we toss around here is that, you know, uh, back when I was sick, I was operating like an ant on a raging river floating along on a log and I thought I was steering it, you know, know, I'm going where the log is going, (laughs) you know, uh, I I don't have any way to steer this thing. Uh, All those little sayings and all that stuff. I'm, I'm blessed. It also got another gift when I got sober and has the ability to remember people's names. So when I meet you, I almost always remember your name forever. Oh, Uh, and it's a huge gift, you know, and it has been, but another one is that I remember these little sayings. Everybody says, if they connect with me, I'll remember them. And I hang on to them and helps me play the tape through and, and it uh, plays seeds to other people. Cause I love, I'm, I'm totally still in the water one. Like you said, what everybody, everybody has water and everybody knows what water is, but we call it different things because they have a different name for it, but it's still just water. That's why, that's why I think love, love is the same. Everybody it's it's the it's the connection the commonality that i guess people have lost trying to find between between each other yep. it's and that's what happens in these rooms like in the clubhouse rooms and yep. in uh and in, in the zoom meetings and uh and you know my introduction yep. to it was in alcoholics anonymous where we're here to be inclusive we're not here to be exclusive uh and and it's a beautiful, it's just so beautiful when we can get along like that and not get hung up on our differences. Yes, I know. Uh, and, but, you know, and, and it just seems so simple to me, you know, it seems so simple, but yet, you know, uh, people are fighting wars somewhere today, <laughs> today, right yes, this minute, are. somebody yeah. is shooting at somebody else over a difference, a difference in belief system. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. People are breaking, marriages are breaking apart over differences. Like it's just, or it, 
it, it, I don't know. I like, I like the, we all bleed the same. We all are. I think somebody said it once. He said, we're all the one being and that's the human, like we're all human beings, yeah. but then that doesn't support or inclusive with all the animals. Like the people I talk to now that are like, it's all connected. The water, the trees, the rocks, the, the dogs, the birds. I'm like, ah, I haven't got there quite yet to that level. But I do respect it because, you know, I'm a big movie fan. So the movie Avatar made me think about animals a little differently. The way she explained it, that they, he killed the animal and she was like, but it goes back to the earth and the earth, you know, you know, germinates the grass and the grass, and, you know, the whole circle of life thing. It makes yep. sense. Yep. It makes sense. Yep. Yep. So and, like, you know, if we were sitting in a room and everybody thought exactly the same thing. We'd get bored real quick just agreeing with one another, you know. <laughs> the conversation wouldn't go anywhere. Yeah. You'd yeah. be like, Oh, we I like this. my favorite color is blue. My favorite color is blue. Really? So is mine. So is mine. So is mine. Yeah. Okay, what's next? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I yeah. like to drink water. Me too. I love water. You love water, I like water too. Just what's the point? Like there's there's nothing to there's no connection. Yeah. So it sounded like you were taking your life in a different direction. Maybe you've been a teacher all your life. Did I pick up on that? Or yes, was that... you did. Yes, you did. I have been an educator for 20 years now, um, public school education. And I am starting to develop, uh, taking my recovery story, um, I'll say on the road. Like I want to share the story through workshops about hope and through just people knowing that sobriety don't have to suck. Like you could actually be in good spirits and have a disease of alcoholism. Because I know for me, when I first went into the rooms, the dry drunk stage, everything was so humdrum. Like I would be in there and it was just like, nobody, you know, they said, find somebody that has what you want and go. Mm -hmm. I never found out what I wanted. Cause they all just were kind of the same stories told over and over and over again. And most of them were just sad and, and they weren't attractive. Like, why would I want that? I don't want to sit there and listen to the brokenness anymore. You know, I want to be around people who are talking about, like I said, I think it's a blessing. It's a gift to be an alcoholic because there's still so many, what we call normies out there that are sick and they don't have um, a, a, a definition. You know, they don't know why they do what they do or how they feel, how they feel, or, you know, what's stopping them from blocking them. So I, I like the fact that I have this to say, I'm an alcoholic. I relate to someone. I'm in mean, like this exclusive club. So anyway, I want to spread that kind of um, joy and the and break the stigmatism. Like we said earlier, you couldn't look at either of us and say, "Oh, this person is you know drinking every night, you know, blacking out, you know," because of the way they look on paper on the outside. Yeah. Especially in the African American community, you don't see a lot of. I don't see it at least, and I'm down here in Texas. So I probably won't ever see it in Texas, but there's you don't. See, I don't see a lot of people that look like me in the rooms you know, or that are, are speaking up and saying, this is a disease. It, it goes under mental health. Um, so I just, I want to share that. So I'm, I'm creating a speaking platform by getting on podcasts. And I'm also working on a coaching program to coach women specifically to walk into the authenticity because those, remember I said, I, I get confused sometimes, like, am I really this person or was I that person? Mm -hmm. So for years I wasn't being myself and that alcohol allowed me to mask it. You know, because I was trying to be something for everybody else or not be who I really thought I was called to be. And now I'm not. And so I want to give other people that opportunity to walk in that, that freedom. So I'm working a culture program for that, speaking 21 podcast this year. And I don't want to teach anymore. I'm just, it's 20 years. I mean, I can't have people, people who have taught and can understand 20 years. <laughs> yep. Yep. 
I was and said, I was, I was an engineer for so 28 rushed. years and sitting yeah. there in front of computer screens with fluorescent lights. And I got sober in a couple years in sobriety, yes. about where you're at. Yeah. I was like, I don't like this anymore. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to do something different, but I didn't know what I was going to do. And I had this little woodworking business going on and uh, just real, just hobby kind of thing. And, uh, but I couldn't let go of that security blanket. So yeah, of, that, of, exactly. of my job and my 401k and my health yes. insurance and all that. Yeah. And yeah. I'll be damned if I yeah. didn't matter of fact, it was the weekend I graduated yoga teacher training the Friday before my graduation, uh-huh. I come in or I actually didn't come into work. I stayed home from work to, to, uh, study for the test mm-hmm. and they called me and laid me off. Wow. Ooh, and, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, uh, I couldn't do God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. Yes, I couldn't yes, quit the job. Yes. I wasn't going to leave it. And so I got pulled off of that and they gave me a decent severage package. So I was okay for a while and had time to get this other gig going where I run around. I do, I got woodworking projects in my shop right now. I'm quoting some other ones and uh, I run around and I fill the hose doing handyman work. Cause I can fix just about anything. So I run around fixing stuff at people's houses and, uh, that's kind of got that service free. aspect to it too. And I'm yes. free. I'm my own, I'm my own boss today. And, uh, and you know, that's, I, I call these things miracles. Yes. Uh, I have a yeah. whole list of them in my, I have a miracle list. And, um, when I first started getting sober, some really cool stuff was happening in my life. And my sponsor recommended I write this stuff down because I would forget. And so I started writing these things down that were happening in my life that I now call miracles. And the miracle list keeps on growing and being self-employed now and having this, my own business come into life is just really one of the latest ones. This podcast is one of them. Uh, I would have never thought I'd be doing this and carrying this message. And, you know, this is, um, according to, you know, Jason on Jason, that's been on, uh, on, his picture, the ball guy, he was on this morning. Energetic personality. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He was on this morning and, uh, but we had some technical difficulties. That's why I was saying. I, oh, we, Jason's we, the one. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. So we didn't get to finish. We're going to reschedule, you know, yeah. but yeah. Uh, matters how I put them out and what happens and how I get them produced. This one or that one is going to be episode 200. So, uh, oh, I don't wow. have 200 out there because I did it. I numbered them kind of funny. So uh-huh. but it's still a milestone to me and this thing's been downloaded some close to 30,000 times and in a couple of years. And, and I get emails and people contact me that this thing touched them, you know, they heard somebody's story and that made them make a change in their, you know, it was a seed that touched them and they decided that they could maybe have this thing too. And uh, so I get to be a, you know, frankly, what turned out to be is that, you know, at some real core level, I get to be a useful human being today. Now you had all that uh, teaching in your life, you know, so you actually had yeah, some, uh, some yeah, usefulness yeah, in your life where you were, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't years. really have that until being sober, you know, I was just mm-hmm. sitting in making, you know, worked in an engineering company where we made big machines. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it filled me cause I'm a mechanical kind of guy and I, and I like that kind of stuff, but, uh, woke up one day or, you know, and that's a, the hypothetical woke up one day and i didn't like it anymore yeah i just don't um, feel called to it anymore i yeah. just I, and it's it's not fair to the kids i could force it and and the only reason why i even went back because when i first got out of rehab um because i went through the the 30-day residential i went on to the part-time hospitalization and the intensive outpatient so you know these levels 
And by the time I got done, I just chose not going back to the classroom. Like I, that was one of my triggers, at least this campus I was on. And I didn't. And I trained because I'm a fitness trainer too. I trained at a local gym, $12 an hour, and like salary cut, like non-existent. And and God still sustained. Like we didn't lose our electricity, we didn't lose our home. And, you know, he just things just worked itself out. So I was like, yeah, it's possible to not have to like go make thousands of dollars a month and still survive. And you know, I just had a different connection to what is possible yep. and but you know covid late we got furloughed um they had to just solve the position and it's funny you said that that was i guess that probably was my opening because you know i was furloughed and like i don't have to go back and i can quit right now and, and i started everything but that security blanket's like yeah but mm, i can actually go back to teaching like i can actually go back to teaching like it was you know always there that that bridge to cross backwards and, and get the income and go back to where we were with this new mindset. So now it's like the income is here, but it's not, you know, $800 a month on wine. You know, it's like now the mindset is like, oh, you can save, you know, you can, you can thrive, you can do more, but it's just not fulfilling. I'm not, I'm not meant to be there anymore. It's just, yeah. and I, um, but I'm afraid um, that when August comes around, if I don't get things kicked off, you know, with the, with these, I start bringing in the income from the speaking or the podcasting or from coaching. I'm going to have to go back again. I don't want to, you know, I just don't want to. <laughs> yep. I've had those thoughts too, you know, and, uh, of, of what, what I need to go back to working for somebody. And, uh, you know, I keep on having faith in this and keep on yeah. thinking that this is the direction I'm supposed to be going. And like you said, I would have told you, um, whatever it is now, three years ago or something, I would have told you that I could not survive on less money than I was making. Yeah. Well, it's been proven that was wrong, exactly. you know, because I don't make the kind of money I made when That's I was, right. but I'm doing stuff. I'm happy. That makes me happy. Yes. I'm doing stuff yes. I love to do. Yes. And, uh, and, and I think you'll find, uh, I can understand that fear, but I, I think if you keep on the path and you keep on keeping. Oh, keeping. doing, then it'll, it will come to that. you get over that fear. I want what you have. I want that um, to be of service. I want to get those. Like I said, when I taught third grade, I really got these. Oh, Miss Elam, you changed my life. Oh, Miss Elam, you helped me so much because they were eight. Like, I don't want to hear from the kids again <laughs> until nine years later at the earliest when they graduate. <laughs> but the, I did teach seniors for a while and I got a little bit of an instant gratification. Like, you know, they come back and say things, but it's not the same as like being able to work with a, a, somebody who's gone through what I've gone through. And for me to get that acknowledgement and say, oh man, when you said this, I felt that. Like, oh, thank you, Lord, for bestling me. You know? And he has bested me for 20 years because those kids, I'm a, I'm a really good teacher. Like, <laughs> they love me. And I know I've done some good things, but this is just a different level now. I, I'm ready for the next level of impact, influence, and income. Yeah. And I want that. I want that freedom to say, this is what I'm called to do. And I'm just happened to be you making money from it, you know? Yep. I love that word freedom. You know, I was, I, I had it. the freedom from the, from the chemicals today, yes. you know, and now I have this freedom of lifestyle and, you know, free, more and more and more freedom so nice. to uh, conduct my life in the way that I want to, not the way somebody tells yes. me I should. Yes. And uh, it's, it's, it's definitely miracle kind of stuff. I, I got some fancy definitions for miracles, but uh my my really my rock solid one is is this is stuff that would not happen had I not got sober. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I, it's, it could be boiled down to as simple as that because this I'd still be working where I well I probably would have lost that job eventually. I come yes. close to it, and I missed some. I failed some 
urine screens there and ended up suspended and you know they took me back and you know uh yeah. but that would have not you know that was not sustainable they were on to dan you know yeah. it's yeah. just yeah. just they had some uh they, they gave me some grace and kept me on and kept on giving me another opportunity until they didn't anymore and i don't really know what happened when they didn't but it was all for the best actually it was the divine time i would have lost my certification i wouldn't be teaching right now I would have either quit or got fired because I would have been drinking. I was starting to take um, water bottles. Like I'd go on break, come home because I was so close to my house on lunch or conference. I come home, have two glasses of wine, go back to work. You know, the afternoon kids loved me more than the morning kids did. <laughs> <laughs> you were more fun. I was more fun. I was a little more loose, a little more laid back in the afternoon. <laughs> but I thought, even though I imagined myself um, like leaving the parking lot one day and I said, if I actually hit a kid and found out I was drinking, like I could have lost everything, but it didn't, God didn't let me have that story. You know, my story is, is because I've heard some people's stories that are, I mean, I hate to compare them, but they just sound worse to me. Like they did make that, like, that you had that option to either get sober or go to prison. And there's been some who they went the other route. And, yep. and that's still, and that's what I think about. Like when somebody told me once, like you choose which floor to get off of on the elevator. Because everybody's floors are different. Yep. Some people's rock bottoms are, are non-existent to where somebody else would be like, that's a rock bottom for you? Like for them, yeah. Some people, it's the near death 15 million times. Some people don't make it there. And, and the reality of it all is everybody doesn't make it. There's a lot of people who do not realize this is a disease or they do realize it, but they can't, they don't, they can't do anything about it. They choose not to. I think it's a choice. I really feel like it's a true choice. And I think when I, because I hear people say, when I say things like, you know, I found that I had a disease. And I'm like, because I feel like there's just something to latch onto. Like you have a disease, like it's that, that, that should give you some kind of hope that there's something that's wrong, but you can get treatment for it. It can't be cured, but you can do something about it. So I feel like the people who are still out there relapsing and struggling and, and hurting, they don't know it's a disease. I think that, that, that that's a solution, but that's what saved my life is I found out it had a name. And then yep. I said, okay, what can I do about it? But there are some who they might know it's a disease. They might know it's the pit bottom, but they just, there's yep. so much going on in here that they can't, and they internally, that they can't break through that to do something about it. And they end up six feet under. It's just, yep. everybody doesn't make it. And, uh, I got to know, I got to find the problem before. I got to know there's a problem. I had to have like a hardcore definition of that problem before yeah. i'm gonna do anything about it yeah. it's not any different than looking for those mental diagnoses or you know um, yeah. Yeah. and and this one is just a really tough one to swallow for most folks you know they're just uh because the stigmatism yep they, that's why i want to break that like you said like people they, they i know for me i love tv movies i said this so many times but you look at the stigmatism of an alcoholic you know, they think that you, some people still feel like, unfortunately, that you brown bagging underneath the bridge somewhere, you're homeless and, you know, you scraggly faced and you're broken, you look unattractive, you lost your teeth. And, but there's, there's so many alcoholics that don't fit the stereotype yep. and they've made it. And I wish that there were more of us speaking up because there's somebody out there that relates to this story. There's another person out there, another engineer out there who can be like, man, for real, I've put in 25 years and, you know, I didn't think it was possible. I didn't know that you could have a life like this or I never thought I could put the bottle down. So I just wish there was a more, with other than going, coming to the rooms because you only get into the room 
when you realize that you might have a problem. And right. then even the rooms might not be yeah. the room for you. It yeah. might be something else, but. Well, one of Bill's grapevine writings, he talks about, you know, and it might be in 12 and 12 too, but uh -huh. about raising the bottom, you know, of raising the bottom for alcoholics so they don't have to go as far as some of us did. Oh, and yeah. that's like part of my mission here on when I'm doing this. And I've had yes. the luck of having a couple of sponsees who didn't hit a bottom. You know, it really was mm -hmm. no big deal, but they pulled the nose up before they got one. And I'm yes. like, that's great, man. Cause they're wanting to tell me that they're like, well, man, I haven't had all the trouble those people have had, you know, so therefore, you know, and I'm like, look, you don't have to, you don't have to, yeah, you uh, don't have to have that. Yeah. You can pull yeah. the nose up today yeah. and never have yes. any real, you yes. know, and, and yes. I have one in particular, one sponsor in particular that that's been specifically, uh, um, fruitful with, and, you know, he just turned 30. And, you know, and, and more than likely escaped a whole lot of bad time and yes. is able to have this life closer to, you know, what he's made to have uh, rather than what he would have. And I love that. And that's part of another reason yes. why I, I uh, do this podcast and I put it out there is to get people, you know, because they hear yeah, your story, you know, and you hear this story yeah. and hear that. Mm -hmm. and, and you're right. You know, these stories are going on in 12 step rooms all over the country, but you already got to be at that bottom before you'll ever get in the that's door right. there. Yeah. But somebody might listen to this. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, and I'm with you. And they'll be like, oh, I recognize that. That that could be me. Like, yeah, it could be. You don't have to wait till it gets to the, the end of the road. I have a 21-year-old uh, that I know. And she's like, for her, it's like, I kept thinking like, man, I'm only 20 fucking one. I can't drink the rest of my life. I'm like, I, I totally get it. But just think you're only 21. Like, yeah. you can have 30, 40, 50 years of a life that, could have only dreamed of oh my god yeah like like flip that script on there like i'm 48 and i'm like man boy if i know what i know like we always do it like i always do the old folks i've known told me like boy if i only knew what i knew now if you can go back 20 40 years of what you know now life would be different but everybody's you know journey is different there's right? something about that midlife thing though in that mid 40s yeah. that where yeah. people finally that seems to be a big place where people hit them bottoms you know they've survived their 20s and 30s yeah mm -hmm. and then it starts weighing on them sometime then and you know then they start actually having consequences and because you're in that second level you're the second half you start to look at like yeah. oh flip, I'm, I'm flip over that halfway point yeah the halfway point like wait a minute i only got maybe 40 more years in here like what am i gonna keep doing the same thing i've been doing is it time to like at least that's what happened for me. That's why this career shift is more on the age thing than it is anything else. Like, damn, I am 48. I this this year I'll be 49. Like I am on that cusp of like, and I've lost a couple of coworkers lately who were they were sudden deaths, but they were still sudden deaths in their early 40s. You know, and it's like I've always said that you're not promised tomorrow, but there's something about the reality of it all when you get past, like you're not promised tomorrow any day. But when you get past that 48, you kind of feel like, yeah, well, if there are going to be some more tomorrows, <laughs> I don't want them to look like it has been the past two yeah, decades. Yeah. Let's have some I want better, them to look differently. Let's have some better tomorrows. Yes. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you said one other thing and I lost it, but that's okay. Yeah, it'll come back to you if it's meant to be. <laughs> well, we have a guy in our circle who had one year of sobriety before he got to be 21. Oh man. Yeah. And then like yeah. that guy, I'm like, dude, you do, you please understand the gift you have, you're holding wow. uh, that you don't ever have to go back and do what you did. 
you don't never have to be one of the guys of these other stories you're hearing in here. And so far, I think, matter of fact, he just celebrated two. Uh, I, I think he celebrated one year of sobriety within a couple of days of his 21st birthday. And now he's actually been, been sober two years and that young, man, that just tickles me pink to watch people avoid the, avoid the worst. The pain, yeah. And it gets me too, though, is how is that even possible? Like, I just like, how do you get to the rooms at 21, 22, 23? That means you've been doing this. You didn't, you didn't, like as we said earlier, you didn't get there overnight. You didn't nope. drink for three weeks. So nope. you didn't drink for a year and say, I got a problem. So you've been doing th- that at 15, 16, 14 years old. Like, yeah, well, one of the things is, that, you know, the, the harder drugs being more, uh, you know, in people's faces and stuff, and yeah. it gets you to a bottom a lot faster, faster. Uh, mm-hmm. where we can kind of coast on alcohol for a long time before it really, you know. Oh, so he's us. an addict. They're, he's these, both. But, they're addicts. But the drugs is what, you know, ended mm-hmm. up being, that's that was the majority of his problem because he wasn't even old enough to drink, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the dope yeah. man don't check your mm-hmm. ID. They do not. Nope. <laughs> those pills, those pills don't have the, uh, they don't have an age limit. And they are. And that's that makes me want to rethink my story. I rethink it. But because there are kids, like you said, your your um, classmates, he had a bottle of vodka in his backpack, you know. So do you have you had anybody on here that are like teenagers or I guess you have to go through the whole sign wave? I have not had uh, anybody under 18 younger than that on the show. No, I haven't. Cause I don't frankly have any of those recovery stories, you know, and I've actually asked this guy to be on, but something about him, he didn't, you know, he's, he didn't tell me no, but he didn't tell me yes. And, uh, I want willing participants here, you know, I'll, yeah. I will invite yeah. you, but I'm not going to bug you about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I don't keep coming at you like, Hey, you, did you make your mind up yet? I, so I got a slide say, open next I'll, week. <laughs> I'll invite him and then I'll nudge him one more time. And I, Pretty much tell them, you know, I don't want to bug you. That's the last thing in the world I want to do. So just know it's an open invitation and you yeah. are welcome. I would love to have you on the show. And this is the last time I'll bother you about it. Oh, um, I love your show. And, and I've I'll had be- a couple of people coming later on down the pike and go, hey, man, I think ready? I'm ready. Yeah. Uh, cool. Let's, <laughs> let's schedule it. This is my um, seventh podcast interview. And by far, it's been the most comfortable, well, well, thank to be you. honest. And I like it because I love the conversation. Like, I'm good with the question and answer format thing. You know, it's okay. But it's something about just letting it flow. Like, from the beginning, we we started talking about just alcoholics in general. <laughs> it wasn't like, so, and this, and this, and this, and this. It was a nice, just long conversation. I love That's what talking. I'm aiming for, is this thing to be yeah. conversational. Your story comes out. If we talk, mm-hmm. you know, you'll mm-hmm. say, well, I did this, and I did that. Mm-hmm. And- um, you know, I'm not looking for a, you know, where you got these notes next to you and you go, well, yeah. 1988, I did yeah. this and 1989, yeah. I did this. And then, like um, you said, the chronological, you said chronological, the veil, there's a veil there anyway. So even trying to remember if from this and this and that and that, and just because it, it'll come, it all come out. It'll come out in the conversation and what's meant to be said, it'll be said and what's meant to be heard will be heard. That's the way I feel about it. God keeps mm-hmm. on doing that, keeps on sending me guests every time mm-hmm. I pray that prayer before a podcast. Mm-hmm. Sometimes my guests will get up and they'll go, oh, man, I forgot to say. And I go, man, it's one thing to pray that prayer that I prayed in the beginning where we ask God to tell us that we say yeah. what we need to say. Yeah, yeah. Now what we have to do is trust that actually happened. And since you yes. didn't say that, that meant what it wasn't supposed to be, to be said. said to me. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. I love it. I'm launching one. Did I tell you that? I'm launching a podcast. Very cool. 
I don't know. I'm in a um, a group, a coaching program um, that's helped amplify your voice. I think it's what it's called. And so I have a podcast coach or team. I'm working on the name, but I know it's going to be joy and I know it's going to be stories. So I kind of want to target on people's turning points, that pain point where they, whatever it was that they were in that darkness from and when did it flip? When did that switch flip on? Oh, the switch. Ooh, maybe. Huh? The switch, flip the switch. When did, that switch. when did that when did that flip switch? When did that switch flip where you yeah. now are in this this light, you know? Because yep. everybody's darkness. Everybody everybody has a story. Every every single one of us have been in some sort of a pit or some sort of a darkness, some sort of a pain, and got out. And if you're still in it, then maybe the podcast will be something somebody can listen to and they can find hope just that they can get out of theirs. That's what I want my podcast to be. Very similar to yours. Yeah. When we first started doing this, there's a few of us were doing it and, um, and some people quickly figured out they didn't have time for it or weren't interested anymore. And, and it's a lot of effort. It takes a Mm -hmm. bit of, uh, work to get this thing on and keep on producing. I'm in January, 2019 is when it launched and I made a commitment to myself mainly and yeah, God yeah, that I would put yeah. out new content once a week. Oh wow. Um, so since content then I've missed like a couple. You you, huh? like you come you come on yourself and you you do something or I, will, I normally stuff. have a guest. There's been okay. some times where I filled holes or whatever or like when mm-hmm. I when I hit my 5 year sober I did a little solo mono, um I call them Dan's musings where I just come on uh, and talk. Uh-huh. And uh and I missed a couple of few weeks in between there. I think maybe three, like when COVID hit, it started getting hard to be get yeah. guests. And I really yeah. didn't, I had, it took a minute for me to switch gears and, yeah. you know, I really didn't no know about the Zoom thing. thing and, mm-hmm. you know, um, I do most of my podcasts out in my wood shop or not most. I do a lot of them, my local wow. people around the area Yeah, come over to my house and we'll sit face to face and we'll sit mm-hmm. back out in my wood shop and, um, and record the podcast out there. Man. Um, so I've missed a few, but. In the beginning, you know, I was looking around like where to host this, and I had a half a dozen episodes recorded and ready, and all these hosting services were going to cost money. And uh, and I'm Googling, and I just really didn't, I don't know, there was something in me was telling me I wasn't going to have to do that. You know, I'm like, why do I have to pay? Yeah. And uh, Which, you know, somebody is providing a service, and you must pay for when provided services. Mm-hmm. That's why you pay. But yeah. I ran into <laughs> a hosting service that said we're completely free, and I was like, what? I said, yeah, completely 100% free, and we will distribute your podcast for you. And I'm like, and so I did some research on it, Googled up it, and it's called Anchor, and that's what I'm on. Yes, and it I've is heard free. Of Anchor. It's free. I've heard po- of Anchor. It's free podcasting. Yeah. So I'm not yeah. having to pay anything. Matter of fact, I put a little commercial on the front of mine. Yeah. And, and they give the me Anchor a, commercial. I heard that. Yeah. And so I get a little payment. They're actually paying me. Yeah. Uh, it's not much. I mean, yeah, but, but, it's, still, it's, but still it's yeah. in the plus column and I'm yeah. not, you know, I'm yeah. not paying to do it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, so I was like, that's that stuff that, you know, when you're in the flow or whatever you want to say, the flow of life and you're going in the direction you're supposed to be going, I found the path gets like paved out in front of me as I go and my hurdles mm-hmm. disappear, you know, and mm-hmm. the thing like, how am I going to pay for this podcast? Because I was looking at 50, 60 bucks a month to host a podcast. Oh wow! And I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do that, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. if that was sustainable. And I'll be dog if uh, I'll be dog if a 
free podcasting host didn't fall out of the space <laughs> onto my into my lap, and that problem got solved. And yeah. um, I keep on getting guests, you know, as needed. So yeah. the podcast continues to be supported in that in that regard. So and look at how um, you can expand because you were just you were limited to in persons in Kentucky. And like you and I wouldn't be having this conversation if it weren't for COVID and having to go virtual. That's another reason I love COVID because it has forced people to not love it, of course, not for the negative and all the deaths, you know, respect to the people who have lost. But it has its benefits too, though, because it really opened up the opportunity to force connections the way they used to be. You know, like now you just got to sit down and figure out how you're going to get in touch with somebody, how you're going to reach somebody. And you can reach the masses. You can extend it. It's yep. not just right there in the in the hometown around the corner. I'm in Texas and you're in Kentucky. And here we are having this beautiful conversation. Yep. And on Club, that's why I love Clubhouse. People all across the country. World. Yes, all across the world. You're right. Because I've had a couple people come in from UK. One night I was on there real late. I think it was two o'clock in the morning for me. Yep, right, right. Yeah, and it's just, it's. I love it. I just, I think it's beautiful. Me too. And it does a job. I think it's beautiful. My recovery support network can't be wide or deep enough. Mm -hmm. Every time I have somebody on the podcast, I feel like I've made a new friend. Yes. And and we get these differing viewpoints by reaching out beyond my circle. Remember when I said something earlier, if we were all sitting in the same room with the same ideas? Well, that's kind of like my support group, right? My my real yeah. close support group. We're all yeah. kind of the same idea. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. yeah. So this allows me and things like Clubhouse to reach beyond my comfort zone and where my little pod of yes. agreement is and out into some new ideas and yeah. and I people getting sober that. using other tools and people staying sober using other tools because that's something I've done. You know, like I said, I've reached for other tools beyond 12 steps in my recovery to help supplement my to yes. add to my life in recovery. I so I get to hear those as I'm tooling around and you get to meet people that you would have never met. Mm-hmm. Big book says we are people that would not normally mix. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and this is a different meaning of that. That meant something else. I think when they were writing it, but now it's, now it's a distance yeah. thing. I would have never met you if it wouldn't have been That's for right. that platform. That's right. I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, we're approaching two hours on here. Uh, I would like to hear you if you got anything you want to talk about. And also I would like you to send me a note if you have any, I'd like, cause I would like it in writing so that I get it. Don't create any typos on it, any websites or any uh, handles on Instagram and that kind of stuff, because I can put that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. That way when somebody comes and listen to the podcast, if they want to know more about you, they don't have to listen, you know, they don't have to go yeah. back and rewind it and try to say, what'd she say? What'd what'd she say? What was that? <laughs> that dot com or dot org? Again? Yeah. <laughs> So I'd like to get that stuff from you, but I'd also like you to tell me a little about that. And then I'm going to ask you for a concluding thought, whatever's just. Oh, I'm going to see. I'm going to let it be downloaded. I'm not going to even think ahead right now. I'm going to let that download. Um, I have a Facebook group that's specific for women now. Uh, It's called Be Yourself Every Day. And it's under my name. It's just under Be Yourself Every Day. It's a black background of umbrellas with a red one that pops in the middle. And be yourself every day is in the center. But that goes back to me saying I wanted to support women and being authentic and just, you know, being in their sales. And then I have a website uh, for people to actually book me as a speaker. If there's a workshop um, need on hope or finding hope in the darkness, so I can share my recovery story. And then I have a downloadable um, for 37 ways to say yes to yourself. Because, you know, we've said no to ourselves for so long. It just gives you some tips and ways you can say yes to you. 
And I have a workshop for that too, saying yes to yourself. So I'll send you all those links, but that's basically it. I just love sharing my story. Yep, I love definitely. meeting people. Yoga said, yoga taught me a phrase that said, be a yes. Be a yes. Ah. Begin to be a yes in your life instead of what, you know, a similar kind of concept. Again, it's the same teachings in different packaged bows. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You're like that guy. You you picked it. You can pick from whatever you want. And just think about the ideology of that too. Being able to have the open mind to say, I'm going to pick from any and all and you create your own. And that's what really gives you that nice, deep connection because it's yours. Whatever you got from that by putting it together. Yeah, my girlfriend is big in that. Uh, she does a thing called the solo date challenge, where she helps women empower themselves by dating themselves, and she says it much better than I do. Rather than this thing, I got to have a man and got to have a mate, and mm-hmm. you know this to start to get them to be. So you know that that empowering themselves, and yes. she uh, works really hard on that, and uh, has a lot of irons in the fire on uh, helping women. Uh, just women that. empowerment, Solo just to be better, yeah, exactly. better lives, and uh, you know, yeah. so uh, I, I totally, I totally love her. All the work that she's doing, she's been on the podcast a couple of times too. Um, so yeah, I just love you know. There's a lot of great things going on in the world. Exactly. If you want to focus on the negative stuff that's going on, more power to you. You can find oodles of that too. It's so but, easy to get but, to. But <laughs> my, my world is my world is a world of a bunch of people doing positive things, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm trying to stay in the middle of. Uh, Me too. Keeping on that. Me too. So, got any yeah, final thoughts for somebody out there? It might be uh, wondering if there's anything better for them or. Yeah, they're considering that. Um, I'm, I'm next drink to my that hope. There's hope. Um, there's a couple of things that I've pulled that would hope. Hang on, pain ends. Um, there's hope in hopelessness. <laughs> so hang on to the hope. I just um, I would say just seek some help um, if you feel like there's something going on. If you think there might be a problem, just let somebody know how you feel. That's it. The ancient hope. And then, oh, oh, um, take ownership over, but um, make a choice. Do you want to be a victim or a survivor? Because you can't be both. Um, victims are the ones that unfortunately end up six feet below the ground with this disease. Survivors, they just do that. They survive. Um, the P would be for um, pay attention. Pay attention to um, what you're thinking and what you're doing. And if you need to ask yourself the question, ask yourself the question, why? And then seek the answer. And then the E is take it easy. Um, we said it before, but you didn't get here overnight. It's not going to be able to get out of overnight. So hope, H-O-P-E. That's it. Oh, and then a C, a C. Hope C, celebrate. Celebrate the small things. Um, if you didn't use a drink today, then pat yourself on the back. Do what you need to do. But that is a miracle all by itself because that was that was one hour down. There was a one hour down, 23 more to go. Yep. Hey, do whatever it takes to keep yourself sober. Yeah. Beautiful. Love it. Well, I really appreciate you being here. I, uh, I just love all, I love your energy and I'm, I'm happy to uh, have gotten to a new friend this afternoon. Me too. And uh, I close this podcast with two things and I stole them. Everything I get out of recovery. I think I made that water thing up, so I might be able to have a claim on it. <laughs> But uh, most of what I pick up, everything I pick up out of this recovery journey, I've lifted from other people. And uh, one of them is that you're you're not having a blast in your recovery. It's your own damn fault. 
And I uh, just want to thank everybody out there for uh, allowing Yolanda and I to participate in our recoveries in this manner today. Peace yes. out. <laughs>